The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Hello there, I'm Austin Bristow, and you're listening to On The List. For episode 41 on Saturday, April 30th, I'm joined by pitchless writer and podcaster, Lamar Gibson. Lamar, thanks for joining me. Hey, thanks so much for having me on. Happy to do so. Now, for those of you who are joining us perhaps for the first time, each week I am joined by a, a writer from the pitchless staff. We'll talk baseball, discuss what they've been working on recently, and we'd like to do a mailbag session at the end where we will answer your questions. You can send those questions directly to me on Twitter. I am at Bristowski. Or better yet, hop into our PO Plus Discord server. Head over to pitchlist.com slash plus. Now, Lamar, where can the people find you on Twitter? On Twitter, you can find me at Inside Fastball, capital I, capital F. Very nice. Inside Fastball, Lamar Gibson. The man knows his prospects. You are the co-host of our On the Farm podcast and... I was just, you know, getting prepped for the pod here, looking over your author page. Yeah. You stay busy, my man. <laughs> yeah, I try to. I try to, to you know, stay busy. Um, prospecting, I, I have to admit, I'm, I'm new to the writing and I'm new to prospecting. And the reason why I got into the whole thing was I just, uh, I'm in the Dynasty League, a uh, great group of guys. Uh, that kind of just came together sort of at random and I was able to kind of slip into this league as it started. And it really got me trying to pay more attention to prospects because I really did not uh, pay attention previous iterations of of fantasy baseball leagues that I played in. And just kind of falling down that hole, um, there's a lot. I mean, obviously it's it's, it's four levels, you know, five if you're counting complex or rookie ball, Mm -hmm. a lot of teams, a lot of players, uh that's not to include the draft and, and college and international guys which i'm still trying to learn more about and trying to keep an eye on so there's always kind of something there's very few dead spots when it comes to prospecting <laughs> yeah it is you can make a full career just out of trying to keep up with the like guys that are top 100 and just beyond yeah. i mean it is a baseball is a game of many many people and with so many uh, different levels for every single team of the 30 mlb teams there is 
plenty to watch and there's always new guys that are breaking out it is a uh it is it takes an active uh yeah it takes an active approach to keep up for yeah, sure definitely like uh the baseball america guys and like jeff pontis and the prospects mm-hmm. live guy like much respect to them for like making it a full-time you know uh, uh occupation yeah. uh, because just doing it part-time as an amateur, right? I'm not a scout. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not any sort of professional affiliation with with baseball or a baseball team. And like you said, it's it, it's a lot. It's fun, uh, but yeah, there's definitely work to to do there. For sure, for sure. Well, let's go ahead and we'll just hop on into our standard stuff here. I like to start every podcast out with this nice open ended question that people want to know the man behind the byline. So Lamar, just Tell us a bit about yourself. Oh, that's always the that's that's always the tremendous question, right? That's the it's million a dollar big question. one it's, right off the bat. Right, right. Tell us about yourself. So many different layers. Um, so I know some of the stuff that that you and I talked to, just very basics. I'm originally from Baltimore, Maryland. Uh, I am a, a husband and a father to to three children. Now we just had a baby boy six months ago. He's congratulations, six months old. Thank you very much. And I have two older children as well so definitely staying busy there as well um and yeah like i said before just from a fantasy standpoint uh still very new to this just started writing uh in october of 21 right is when i started writing my newsletter inside fastball newsletter and then from there you know the other pieces kind of uh snowballed out of there uh so i'm still learning a lot i'm still trying to talk to um, a lot of people in the fantasy baseball community to, to pick their brains and ask questions. Um, and then outside of fantasy baseball, I'm just, you know, I'm just a guy, just a dude kind of going through this thing we call life. You know, I don't want to get super philosophical on, on the folks, but yeah, there's, there's not a whole lot to me. I wish I was a lot more interesting, <laughs> but I'm really not. <laughs> I feel like a sen- that's a sentiment I get a lot on this show is that guys come on, they're like, well, usually the interesting thing about me is I'm really into fantasy baseball. Right. But everyone right. here is right. so. <laughs> yeah, that's like like I just started a, a, a newer job, and and that's kind of like my my trump card now, right? For the icebreakers, like, oh yeah, you know, I, I host a podcast, fantasy baseball, I do some writing. It's like, oh okay, that's cool. But yeah, when you're amongst your peers, it's like, yeah, we <laughs> we all do that, sir. What else do you do? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> like everyone here is like, yeah, we know what else. Right, so right. <laughs> that's the, that's the interesting part about this show is that, you know, people are people who are listening are very familiar with your work and things like that. And so it becomes a much more interesting discussion of what else is there to know yeah. about our writers and things along those lines, which I, has been such an, a, a joy for me to dig into and get, really get to know a lot of our writers better i have to say i don't want to get like super serious but i will one one thing that i do have to admit is i got a little worried when i first joined preacher list i was like oh um just in the setup and, and not to go to like behind the scenes but like just in the setup it was like oh you know your name for the discord and like uh your articles and like oh so like people really know like inside fastball is whoever but like once you put your name to it, it changes things. And I'm very um, proud about my name and all of its like caveats, like how it's spelled, what it did. Mm-hmm. Like, so I'm like, oh, OK, do I want my kind of personal and 
pseudo professional because it's not my profession, but I kind of try to treat it that way. I try to treat it with some Mm -hmm. seriousness. Like, do I want that to kind of collapse in on itself? So it did kind of worry me being like, because I know, I mean, let's be honest, we know how it can kind of be with fantasy baseball. Um, That's something else that I learned. Like, some people take this very seriously. Yeah. And I'm kind of like, you know, the people that this is their actual job, like I, I named like Pontus and, and like those guys, that's that's a different thing. Like I know we, and I'll, I'll name drop a little bit. Like I know we like to rip on like Keith Law and like Buster Only every time he says something about the Orioles, which is like yep, every five yep. seconds. But like, that's your job. Cool. Whatever. But got people kind of more in our milieu where it's like, maybe you get, maybe you get some dollars for it or you know whatever. I'm just kind of like, but it's, it's not that it's not that serious. Like I thought it was supposed to be fun. Like it was fantasy baseball. Like, yeah. It's make believe. And yeah. just kind of knowing a game right, about a game, about the game. Exactly. And I'm like, I don't know if it's the gambling aspect. Like I know some people have, you know, some, some big money that rides on some of this stuff. And I don't know if that kind of is what changes the tenor occasionally of some of the conversations, but um, yeah, I've had, I, I won't go into details here, but I've had some interactions with people where I'm like, okay, um, I thought we could kind of have, a more mature conversation, but mm. apparently not. And like, okay, I don't have any beef with you, but you apparently don't like me. So, oh, all right, like, yeah, <laughs> keep it I, moving. So, mm. I mean, I feel like with any given community surrounding whatever topic it may be, whether it's a certain show or um, any sport or anything like that, you're gonna have folks that are going to spoil the bunch sort of thing. There's always jerks coming out of the woodwork to, you know, really make sure that all of us are aware that not everyone is a good person and you have to kind of look for your niche with like a community within a community. And that's one of the things that has impressed me most throughout the years that I've been with Pitcherless, because I've been here since 2017 now. And it really is like within our own little microcosm here, whether it be the discord server or otherwise, it really is a bunch of people that are all class acts, like Nick and everyone else that has worked so hard to build up this community and maintain it do a great job of setting an example of this is what picture list does. We are, you know, not going to exclude people. We're not going to get hateful, et cetera, et cetera. So it's nice that we can have this space to collaborate, to discuss and just have fun. Yeah. Uh, I think um, I agree definitely with, with what you're saying about picture list um, in particular and, um, I also want to make it clear, like, I I have zero problem with people. So the biggest thing for me was I did the top 500 OBP um, yep. rankings, right? And they were awful. Like, again, I will go on record. They were terrible. <laughs> you have me on record. Everybody, I know. They were very, very bad. Okay. Now, people that were like, hey... I'm a little confused about these rankings. I have no problem with those people, right? And like, I was in a separate Discord, a non-pictureless Discord, and they were like, hey, and they were like hitting me with questions that really made me think like, that's a really good question. I should have thought about that beforehand. Oh yeah, I didn't really make this part clear. Oh, okay, I see what they're, I, please, for anything that I write, 
anything that I tweet out, like if that's where you're coming from of like, I'm just trying to understand because something about this isn't clear or I don't really think that the conclusion you're coming to really tracks, absolutely hold me to that standard. That's separate from people that are just like, oh, this is, this is dumb. This is, and it's like, oh, I mean, that's your, that's fine. Like, again, they were bad rankings. Like, <laughs> so I'm not really trying to disagree with you, but it's just like, that doesn't really add anything. Like, I can't become a better writer from that comment. Right. So exactly. you can't really get any better value in the content. Right. Like, you see what I'm saying? Like, if, if somebody that says, hey, you like, hey, you missed putting Trevor's story in the top 500. That's a thing that I did in the organization. And it wasn't like me trying to be a hot take. It was just like in the organization of the document. Yeah. It gets, he got left behind so many people <laughs> right. and it's it's di- you're gonna miss right. some folks here and there so yeah. somebody being like that is like yes okay that's a good comment because that tells me hey you got to be better organized because that's mm-hmm. a you can't miss that it's, it's not like i missed the 500 best prospect on the list like trevor story is a big deal yeah, so that sure. helps that helps me become a better writer and hopefully that means that i create better things for you guys to read and listen to but yeah just being like this is awful this is dumb this guy's terrible. I think I got a comment that was like, I don't know if this guy's ever played fantasy baseball before. It's like, well, yeah, I mean, clearly I have had to. Like, I write for a fantasy baseball site. I write for a fantasy baseball site that is well-respected in the fantasy baseball community. You think they just was like, hey, just pick a rando and let them write for it? So, like, that's the sort of stuff where I was like, okay, this is different. And so I had to adjust to yeah. it. And it and it, it wasn't a – I didn't take it personally like, oh, they hate me or – it wasn't that. It was just like, oh, hmm. There are people that take fancy baseball, like, essentially more seriously than I do. And I yes, have to keep exactly. that in mind and know that they're probably not my audience. Like, when exactly. I write stuff, they're probably not the people that I'm writing for. And then I, that's fine. I have, never, <laughs> I have never invested money into fantasy baseball until this past year. I, I joined a new dynasty league with a $20 buy-in. And I was like, ooh, I don't know if I want to get into a buy-in league because for me personally, and I know this is probably not a super popular opinion in the, in like the hardcore community, especially for me personally, once money gets involved, it's less fun because it's, there's pressure to win at that point. Because if I don't win, what I am I now? What am I doing here? Lost right. some of the money that right. I work hard <laughs> to get. Well, I, I think the other thing that I've, I, I'm very confused by is people are like, oh, like I saw a lot this past, like off season, especially because the off season was so long because of the lockout and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So people are trying to get, oh, I want to start a league. Let's start a league. We should start a league. Well, it has to be a money league. It has to be because that's the only way that people are going to be interested. That's the only way that you get mm-hmm. buy in. And then these leagues were popping up, and I was like, I'm kind of on this, your same wave, like, and I, like, not to get too personal, but like, I was in between jobs as well. I'm like, I, I don't have yep. money to just be burning through. Everything needs to be going to something, and fantasy baseball ain't it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, but as I was like getting feedback once the league started, it doesn't sound like a lot of them were being super successful. So, and then I'm part, like I said, like the dynasty league that I joined at random through Reddit. Like that, I just randomly got like a like sort of got an invitation for. We've had some turnover. Like we've had a couple of managers, like a few managers, left or were asked to leave. But overall, like the core group, 
is a great group of guys and it's free and we've been rocking and rolling since 2019 i want to say so it's just like i don't think it's the money it's just it's like anything else it's it's the culture that you're building do you know these people do you know how they think about fantasy baseball do you really know right it's all for s's and g's i'll keep it pg for the for the podcast (laughs) you know it's all for s's and g's on discord and then once you actually get a person in the league you see like oh this person is kind of like you said kind of more of a jerk than they were right when we're just kind of hypothetically talking about trades or hypothetically talking about moves now i'm trying to trade with this person and they're like no no <laughs> that's yeah, a terrible I've... trade and it's like oh the, again the tenor just changes yeah i've played with people um in long-term leagues i've played with people in just like pick up leagues here and there where I go to, you know, chat with them about a trade or something like that. And it's vaguely aggressive in that they have to Gotta win, win the trade, the Gotta trade, win the trade. quote Gotta unquote. Win the trade. And so they, they come out and you're, you're trying to come up with something that helps both people sort of, and maybe you send them a, a low ball offer at first, because maybe you, the two of you don't value the same, mm-hmm. the players the same, uh, and then they come back with like, I'll take your Trevor story for my Glaber Torres. And it's like, uh-huh. Right. We're not talking the same language here. Yeah. yeah. When the trade, that's a big one. But like the leagues that I'm in um, right now, like shout out to all those leagues. Shout out to the usual suspects. I'm going to shout my guys out. Um, I'm, I'm I'm rocking with down on the farm as well. Like shout out to to him. Yeah. So like all those, the, the leagues that I'm a part of, like shout out to y'all. Because uh, it has been a, a good a good feeling, and like you said, with picture list, um, just as a as a Discord and as a community overall, I really have appreciated the conversations that I've had. Um, if you have not like been super active, if you're listening to this and you haven't been super active in the server for whatever reason, definitely there's some there's a channel for you. Like exactly, there's something in there for you, even if it's not baseball related. Um, oh yeah free, i mean the off-topic off. channels I've, I've gone on record many times saying the off-topic channels are some of my favorite whether it be i am super active in the dungeons and dragons channel there tv yeah. movies all that kind i'm of like stuff. breaking down i was breaking down um who was i talking to was it miles it may have been miles I, if it's if it wasn't miles you know who you are I, I apologize i don't have my phone like right in front of me but we're i was breaking down um john morant's game winner in game five in the nba channel and it was just like, I also watch basketball. I'm a big basketball fan. I, yeah. I grew up in a basketball household. So, like, I always have that in my mind. My dad coached rec league for many years. So, I always have, like, a coach's sort of thought process, especially, like, in-game scenarios after time. I was, so, I was I watched the end of that game, and he gets this game winner. And um, I was just like, I got to break down this play. Like, that, that was a good play, but that was such bad defense from Minnesota. And I have to, like – I just feel compelled to talk about why, <laughs> even though this is not my milieu. So like yeah. I went in and I break it down. It was like an hour and a half that I'm like taking the, get, um, finding good video, putting it online, like da da da. And I, I'm like, let me put it in the NBA channel. And I literally just, I literally posted, it was like, nobody asked me to do this. And nobody asked for this. <laughs> like nobody asked for this at all. I know. <laughs> this is literally, this is literally the meme of nobody. <laughs> and then Lamar comes in. <laughs> let me tell you why. But um, but a couple of people, like I said, it may have been miles if it wasn't, you know who you are. But a couple of people was like, yo, like, you know, that that 
is helpful and like I agree and, and again just kind of continuing the conversation and it's completely non-baseball non-prospect related so yeah yeah for sure. it's fun stuff it's great yeah I've, I've got my going back to kind of just the community you're able to build I've got my dynasty league that I've been in since 2016 um originally when I started up just a bunch of guys from reddit no one knew each other uh the the founder and commissioner left and I same. took over as commissioner. Well, I didn't and take over, but yeah, we, we, yeah, so yeah, same it's, thing. Yeah. It's a 20 team league. And at this point, yeah. nine of us from the original, uh, found a founding group are still there. So nine Sweet. of the 20 are, have survived Sweet. and we brought in, you know, friends mm-hmm. of people. So mm-hmm. some people know each other. Yeah. And we've, we've got a good foundation of like, folks that know how each other like to play. Yeah. Um, and now we've been playing for like seven years yeah. or something like that. Six years. That's awesome. It's, it's really cool to actually have this community of guys that's, you know, consistent and everything else. Yeah. No buy-in. We yeah. just come back year go. after year. There you go. So again, if you're in buy-ins, if, if you're a gambling type, like there's no shade to you from, no, from my end. Right? wrong with that. But it's just, I don't think we have to jump to that conclusion of, adding money automatically creates a better fantasy baseball league because it, 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 it doesn't is again, if you yeah. really think about it again, not to get to like galaxy brain for the audience, but like <sighs> money literally has never improved pretty much any sort of like human situation. Nobody's ever been like, I was terrible. And then I got money and now I'm better. This literally <laughs> never happened. Like anybody that you think is good. Like think of whatever good person you can think of in human history. That person was not good because they had money. They may have gotten some money. Like I think about Oprah. My mom is a big Oprah fan, right? And so my mom, I remember told me, she was like, Oprah, this is my mom's belief. So whatever. But she was like, <laughs> Oprah was, was blessed by God to have these millions because she's such a charitable person. And so she gives it back. And so she yeah. continued to, she, my mom was like, it's essentially like a cycle. Like as much as she gives out, then like God is bringing her back in. Now again, I'm, you don't have to believe in God or Christianity. That's not what I'm here to talk about. All I'm saying is if you believe that Oprah is a good person and you may not, which is that's its own thing. But if you believe Oprah is a good person, she's not good because she's a billionaire. Right. She was, she's good almost in spite of being a billionaire. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. So it's just like, that's the way I kind of look at things. Like nothing has ever really been improved because we've added money to it. Fair so. enough. Totally fair. Well, you know, we're 21 minutes in and we're like one question. And this is prime. This is, is this prime good? Okay. OTL right okay. here. So you said you're from Boston. or from No, Boston, no. Baltimore. I never said that. No, no. <laughs> Very wrong. Let's rewind. You said you're from Baltimore. Yes, yes. <laughs> Does that mean you are an Orioles fan? Absolutely, then? absolutely. Condolences. Yeah, well, you know what? We've had some good years. We've had some good runs. They've been short. But they've, uh, it's funny, it's funny, they've been short. The two Orioles runs that we've had lasted like two seasons at best, maybe three, if we think about the, the latest iteration for in my lifetime, like since I've like really been paying attention to baseball. Um, but they, they are such a big part of my life. Like I, I have yeah. such fond memories. So like my, I, and again, I apologize to, I'm not looking to offend anybody or anything of that nature. Um, so if it sounds like I'm like coming from a heavily Christian background, that's how I grew up. I'm not trying to convert nobody. Just take it for what it is. Um, 
but if you think about like a conversion, like when you convert to whatever and people think about, like I'm a born again Christian. I remember this date, I was in the parking lot of a Denny's and I gave my life to Christ, you know, that sort of stuff. (laughs) It's always Denny's. Yeah, it's always something like that, right? Um, That's kind of how I was with baseball, right? So if if baseball is our religion here, that's kind of how I was. I remember distinctly in the summer of 1996, that's when I was like, I'm really paying attention to this thing called baseball. I had gone to games before. We've gone to Camden Yards, beautiful ballpark, best ballpark in, in America, in my opinion. Non-biased, obviously. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to get there this summer. That's my goal for the summer is I want to see a game, Camden. I haven't been so long, but that's that's another story. Um, no, it's COVID. You're fine. But, oh, no, longer than that, like very long. But anyways, um, you know, I, I watched SportsCenter like any other kid of the 90s. Right. I, I'm, so I, I was born in 87. So I'm a kid of the 90s. And like any other kid in the 90s, like Kenny Mayne, Stuart Scott, Keith Olbermann, like the big show, like, you know, all those guys and women, like shout out to uh, uh, who's at least Linda Cohen, Linda Cohen, right? Was there? Um, Maybe. I, <laughs> I think it was. I, I was I, born I, in 95. So. Oh, OK. I was really <laughs> aging myself. Oh, OK. Sorry. Um, but like. I, I remember watching Sports Center, and you know you're watching all the highlights. Um, but when baseball come on, I'm kind of like, ah, I don't really, eh, whatever. Like the Orioles won, they lost. I don't really. Cal Ripken, oh, like okay, whatever. But oh, no. for some reason, in '96, in the summer, I'm out, obviously out of school, just watching, just vegging out on the TV, and I was just like, yeah, they're talking about baseball 24 seven, not talking about basketball. And again, coming from a basketball household, that's what I'm I'm tuned into. Yep. I wasn't into football at the time. I've never gotten into hockey. It was just like baseball was just 24 7. That's all. Yes. That, so, like I said, I dated myself. Let me tell the younger generation there was a time on ESPN where they actually talked about baseball. I know it's weird. I know it's weird. <laughs> but there was a time where baseball was actually discussed in detail. It's crazy. For multiple hours on that network. What a concept. <laughs> it, was, it was out there. It was out there. And I remember watching it. And just watching highlights, watching highlights, watching highlights. And then I just was like, I'm interested now. I'm interested in this thing called baseball. And that was like my conversion moment. And luckily, at the same time, the Orioles were actually good. So my hometown team, I was able to watch. I remember HTS was the was the home network. That was before Masson, home home team station, HTS. Mm-hmm. That was what we that's what how you could catch Orioles game. And I remember watching it and just Robbie Alomar, Cal Ripken, they got Bobby Bow on the team. I remember they traded for Todd Zeal. Um, this is the 97 team now that I'm talking about. Uh, Rafi Palmero, uh, Mike Devereaux, like just all the Mucino on the mound, Rocky Coppinger, David Wells, like, <laughs> like all these guys, Armando Benitez, which do team. not get me started on Armando Benitez. But like, and it was just like such a great run. And then I get super introduced, I get like mainline right into. And this is how your favorite team can get shafted by the New York Yankees. 1996, Jeffrey Mayer, we all know it. It was just like, boom, there you go. You like baseball? Yep. Cool. This is like, right as the Yankees dynasty is taking off, here you go. Um, 97, obviously, Indians, Benitez, we're not going to talk about it. But I was still in. I was still in. And so that, you know, 98 was rough, 99. And then it probably wasn't until, honestly, Oh, let's see. I, I went to college. I was freshman in 05. 
So it was probably like 05, 06 where I was like, you know what? I, 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 I'm not done with baseball, but like, I can't watch the Orioles anymore. It's like too, they're too bad, <laughs> like too consistently bad. Um, again, I'm ping pong between sports, but if you remember back, if, if you're my age or older, or, or if you look back in the NBA, you had teams like uh, the Clippers and the Warriors that were just consistently bad, like laughing. Like when they talk about the laughing stock of the league, like they were always the laughing stock. And it was almost like, how can they screw up this year? We know they will be bad, but like how bad will they be? <laughs> like what sort of ridiculous draft pick will they make? And it kind of, the Orioles kind of were getting on that wave. And I'm like, I'm not, I can't, I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I kind of felt bad because I'm like, you're not supposed to abandon your favorite team. That's part of what makes them your favorite team. That's part of what makes a fan. But I was like, you know what? I, it's not fun. So yeah. I, I, I watched, but, but because of that, that's how I got into fantasy baseball because I was anti-fantasy for a long time. I was like, that's for nerds. It's, it's, it's for, <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong. Hours. Yeah. You know, um, you know, that's for nerds. That's for weirdos. They're playing their make-believe baseball stuff. Now, mind you, I'd done that as a kid. I'd made my own little fake baseball team as a kid, but that's how, again, you know, you're a teenager, you're young, you know, in your twenties, whatever. And you think, you know, better than other people, whatever. Um, but I'm like, I'm not into that, but I still wanted to watch baseball and I still wanted it to be meaningful to me. And I'm like, yeah. well, it seems like as I read up on early fantasy baseball stuff. So like really just going to ESPN.com um, and reading like Carabelle and, and all those guys stuff. It seems like if I get into this fancy baseball, I can watch baseball. And if I know that Alex Rodriguez is going to hit like two home runs against the Orioles anyway, because their pitching is terrible <laughs> and Cannon Yards is a band box, instead of my heart being broken, maybe I can have Alex Rodriguez on my fantasy team. And then when he hits those two home runs, I actually have an investment on a positive end. <laughs> and that was kind of like my logic of getting into fantasy baseball. And so the oars being bad broke my heart a little, but then it also helped me mature into getting into fantasy baseball. So, so there's that. That is, yeah. I mean, that, that, that about sums <laughs> up what a lot of people have kind of gone through. It's you, I feel like fantasy baseball is just a way for people to try to enjoy the game outside of their favorite team. That's Cause it. I feel like growing up That's you, it. you just watch your team yeah. and, the, and yeah. fantasy baseball really forces you to get into the rest of the league as a whole. Yeah. And because you have to, you can't just make a team out of Orioles. Right. And if you tried, it you would, would have a bad it team. It would be very bad. It would be uh, arguably worse than the real life team is, depending on what type <laughs> of league veteran. Yeah. I, so I guess I kind of lied in, in the beginning where I said I don't really do anything outside of this. I watch, I'm into watching movies and, and not just watching movies, but like really into like movie, movie history and, and nice, good, the movie good, nice. industry how movies are getting made, why this movie got made at this time by these people, that sort of stuff. Um, and not, you have to really be a certain type of person to really be into that sort of movie. Like most people are like, I just go to the movies and I, or I just go, you know, I just turn on Netflix and I watch whatever. Yeah. Um, and that's cool. Like I'm not, not dissing anybody, but fantasy baseball to me is, is like being able to go through those levels 
pretty much what you were saying, go through those levels for baseball. So like yeah. you can sit down, you could have four different people. You can have one person that says, I just, I'm just watching this Cubs game because I am a Cubs fan. And that's all I care about is I want the Cub, every Cubs player to do well and for the Cubs to win at the end of this game. And you can have the next person that's like, well, I'm into a fantasy league, a redraft league, and I have Seiya Suzuki. So I, I just want Seiya Suzuki. To, I don't care if the Cubs win or lose. I don't care what anybody else does. I just need Suzuki to win. Yep. And then you can and you can kind of keep going down the rabbit hole. And you can have like the fourth person that's like, I don't even actually have any of these players on my team, but I'm curious to see the bull how the bullpen is managed because I have this prospect that could possibly snake a spot to get to the starting pitching rotation. And depending on how the bullpen gets managed, maybe he starts in the bullpen. So I kind of want to watch that. Yeah. And it's just all these it's layers on layers on layers. My favorite is when you're watching um, it's towards the end of the week and you're you're like, I am right on the edge of winning or losing this week. And so you turn on a game to watch your opponent's mm. starting pitcher, mm. hoping they get blown like, yeah. up in the second. Yeah, inning. like just just give me that. Like, just give me those two walks and that that three run homer like right yep. now. <laughs> I was I was doing that earlier this afternoon. My I'm I'm. I uh, was watching Merrill Kelly, hoping he was going to do real bad. And guess what? He did real, real good today. Oh, did he? I, I think have... he threw a, threw one hit over six innings. Oh, I have Kelly on one of my teams, so that's helpful. Yeah, yeah. I, it's I, not um, ideal for me. Not ideal for you. <laughs> I, I have to admit, I think, and I think this is good for, again, anybody who reads or may pay attention to my stuff. I, I'm starting to become convinced that I'm bad at the like playing fantasy baseball. I'm, I'm, I think I am. And I think that's important. No, I'm being serious. I think that's important for people to know. Like when I make recommendations, if I write something, I'm like, hey, I think this guy can be good or I can I, I kind of see some value here. I try not to comment on trades too much just because value is so odd yeah. depending on the person and leagues and depending the setups league, and all yeah. that. Um, but if you're just like, hey, should I pick this guy up or drop this guy? I know there was a, a AMA yesterday for pitcher list and, and I was mm-hmm. jumping in and saw a lot of like, okay, Matt Brash, Reed Detmers, you know, Shane McClanahan, who should I, you know, who, who's going to have the better. When I, when I make a statement, folks, radio people, podcast people, um, know that I am not at all thinking it's because I'm good at fantasy baseball because again if my <laughs> league mates could be on this show they'd be like he's terrible and he's been terrible for quite some time he just really likes he it. just re- i just really like it and i really have opinions on it so that may lose a ton of listeners to on the farm nick i apologize <laughs> they may lose a lot of people like reading what i write but I think it's important to know, like, I, because I think there's a difference. That's why I make that's why I make that statement. I think you can be good at playing fantasy baseball. That doesn't mean that you are a good writer about it, because true, that's a difference. That's very true. I think you could be. A, I think you can obviously be both. That can definitely happen. But I think you can be a good writer about it and just be bad at putting those some of those strategies and whatnot into play. Um, yeah, and I, I think that's another thing too. Is I agree for sure. Yeah, I think I think it's one of those things where. There are there are some guys who are just really good at it, but they in general not a great writer, so they don't do that. Uh, and I have 
I have played with guys that are really good writers, really good analysts that just make some really strange decisions. That's or get, they're hung up on they're hung up on like these few guys that they love, mm-hmm. and so they always draft those mm-hmm. guys, and it mm-hmm. never works doesn't out. Work out. Never works out. <laughs> you're like, why didn't you trade this guy? It's like, yeah, but I, I mean, that's me 24 seven. We went through, <laughs> we went through and in my home league, I went through and looked at the number of based on Fangraphs current top 100. So like the top 100 that they published going into this season, right? They're up, they're most up to date one. How many of the players in that top 100 for prospects I've rostered and then traded or or in, in a few cases, just let walk at some point in time. I'm not going to say the number. Just know that it was a lot. <laughs> it was not It was not all 100, <laughs> but it was a significant enough number that looking back, had I kept even a quarter of that number and just held fast, it like literally did nothing. If I had just kept them and like walked away from the league and came back today like Rip Van Winkle or something, like it was just like <laughs> I slept through a lockout and walk. I will probably have an infinitely better team <laughs> just oh, off no. of that. Than it. But it's just, it, it's, it's that sort of, it's two different brains for me. It's two different brains. It's like the trying to, and a lot of it is because of the type of person that I am. I'm very risk averse. So I'm always worried mm. if I move this guy, that's when he's going to blow up. But if I hold him, he's going to be terrible. So I don't know what to do. And whatever I do, the opposite is going to happen. And it's that <laughs> sort of like analysis paralysis. Um, and I just, I'm in my head very frequently. So putting it into practice is difficult, but saying, Hey, I really like, uh, Reed Detmer's numbers. I like what he's been doing and and watching his starts. I like how he's maturing as a pitcher, even though sometimes he still gets blown up. Sometimes he still is not efficient, but I like how he's learning how to pitch. Writing that column or writing that blurb is just a different part of my brain than the active like manager in fantasy baseball. So I don't know. I get that. Yeah. That makes sense yeah. to me. Uh to uh call back to a couple things real quick. Um Merrill Kelly for you today on that team you have him on. Uh seven innings pitched over only ninety seven pitches to do so. Mm-hmm. Two hits, four strikeouts, no walks, no earned runs. Yeah. That'll, good day. That'll, that'll very good day for Merrill. Yeah. He has been impressive that, that, so far that this dog year. will hunt as they say that dog will hunt it's, yeah I, I mean he he's kind of been what i want um he's kind of been what i want kyle hendricks to be it's just hmm. this this super, uh, you're, super you're saying for low, this year yeah okay or just in general i just want kyle hendricks to be good again where okay. he can actually you know induce a uh, weak contact and you know not get blown up every other night yeah. that'd be great yeah i mean I, but uh i, I did I... want to go back to the orioles as well for you yes uh the orioles growing up for you uh between so the last in 1997 yep. were they wired games wire to wire baby we had yeah, a dude. song we had a song there was a song that played i shouldn't say we like i came up with there was a song that they played on wbal that was it went wire to wire. The Orioles are still on fire. That was the that was the hook of the song. If anybody grew up in the Baltimore area and around this time and listened to WBAL because that was the radio broadcaster for the Orioles, you should remember what I'm talking about. 
That's awesome. Sorry. Continue. <laughs> so 98 games won in 97. Yes. Uh, that was the last winning season you had until 2012, right? 2012. Which, which can I just say, I'm sorry to interrupt again. The 2012 no, Orioles, the 2012 Orioles. This is my very quick story about 2012 Orioles. I paid zero attention to those, to that team. And then like right towards the end of the season, it was like, <laughs> right towards the end of the season, it was like, oh, the Orioles are actually good. Well, kinda. <laughs> they're gonna kinda. make the, they're gonna make the playoffs. <laughs> well, they got this new wild card system, so they they might Maybe. they might be able to get it in. Oh, well, who are they playing? Oh, they get the Texas Rangers and they get to face off against you, Darvish, in a one game playoff. Oh, Whoa. well, that's probably not going to end well. And then I listened to that game on radio because baseball is the best sport and the only true sport to listen to on the radio. Agreed. It's the only sport that's better on the radio. It really is. Or even close to comparable. I don't know what it is. It's the magic of the sport. But I listened to it and they won. And like, it wasn't handled. It wasn't like they blew out the Rangers, but they did well against you, Darvish. And this is like first peak, you you Darvish, because he's had kind of like a couple peaks, but this is like the first peak, you Darvish. And they really like had his number. And it, that team had no business, and then they pushed the Yankees to seven games, and almost walk off with the uh, AODS if it wasn't for Raúl Baez. And I can't say the choice words that I want to say about that, but like they <laughs> almost pulled that upset off and make it to the championship series. So the 2012 Orioles, shout out to them. Um, but my favorite, and again, I'm sorry for like completely derailing what you were trying to do here. You're but fine. Like, t- the 2014 Orioles. Are, are un, until or unless the Orioles win a championship in my lifetime, the 2014 Orioles will probably be my favorite Orioles team of all time. Um, That's totally reasonable. Yeah, that team, I just, everything about them, I love. Everything. Very reasonable. Uh, so the only thing I wanted to say was to really bring the mood way back down. <laughs> From 98 mm-hmm. until 2012, mm-hmm. or 2011, I should say, uh, they had a 437 uh, winning record. Yep, that sounds right. Uh, and then 2012 to 2016, all winning records. Yeah. Good stuff, yeah. A+. Plus. Uh, and then, they they should have blown it up in 2016. They didn't. They tried to let correct. it back. And uh, so since 2017 through 2021, uh, the winning record... 357. Yeah. Also sounds about that ain't right. great. Also sounds about right. Um yeah. That that is all accurate. Those are facts. Those are the numbers as they stand. True numbers. Those are true <laughs> numbers that actually ha- that actually happened. Um yeah, man, I, it's funny. I I don't I'm I'm not gonna try to put Baltimore Orioles fans in like the Red Sox like the pre, you know, the the pre Ortiz Red Sox fan, you know standpoint like pre-03 or like the cubs like we're not there yet it's not that sort of history it's not that long but i will say there's something when they show that when they show that box every world series we all know what that box is right longest streak since winning world series and like when i was in my 20s like the orders i don't even think the words like maybe in the top 10 i guess but like it was always, it was like Red Sox and, and Cubs, and Red Sox, Cubs, and Giants. I'm sorry, Red Sox, Cubs, and Giants. Yep. And then like year by year, like little bit by little bit, like Red Sox got 
won one, and we were all excited. Everybody that wasn't a Yankees fan was like, hooray, Red Sox. And then they won, like, war, and we were like, okay, enough Red Sox. <laughs> go, go away, Red Sox. But it's like, Red Sox, okay, they're off the list. Um, Giants, they're off the list. White Sox, they're off the list. Finally, Cubs came off the list. Dodgers have come off the list because, like, even the Dodgers were kind of mm-hmm. starting to add some time. And it's like, oh, Orioles are really climbing up there. <laughs> Orioles are really uh, taking some time now. That being said, I know that there's teams that have not won World Series at all in their history. Mm-hmm. But to me, like, what's really the difference? What's really the difference between a, a Colorado Rockies fan, like their long-suffering history, quote-unquote, yeah, yeah, and an Orioles fan of my age? So, again, I was born in 87. The Orioles yep. won the World Series in 83. Yep. So you've never seen one. So yeah, it's, it's really it's, the difference there. It's comparable. <laughs> it's, it's I mean, the even same. the Rockies have one. If we look back, uh, Mariners don't have one. Padres do not have a World Series in their 53 years. Um, Brewers slash Pilots organization, uh, they won it in 82. Yeah. It's 53 years yeah. now. Rangers and Senators haven't yeah. won it since 61. And the biggest one right now is the Indian slash Guardians yeah. haven't yeah. won it since 49. Yeah. They so, are. I mean, again, I want to put things in proper perspective. There's still a lot of teams, you know, there's still a good. Yeah. A but good a lot of those teams, teams have been good That's in recent the, memory. See, that's the difference. And I don't know what's worse. I honestly, I don't. Um, I don't know if it would be worse to have consistently good teams that just couldn't get it. Couldn't done, close it. Yeah. Or to be like, us and just be like you know okay the season starts but like how soon is the season in because <laughs> yeah. we all kind of know what this is going to end up like <laughs> yeah it's that's brutal it's uh i mean as a braves fan we had our rough years in between you know the jason hayward era to the you know yeah. Ronald Acuna era yeah. we had our rough years yeah. when we had like 60 win yeah. seasons for like three see, this years is in a where, row this is where this is very different though this I was gonna say this is where age factors in because like you said you were born in 95 and like I was born in 95 and, and I didn't really won. get into baseball until like 2010 yeah and you guys won in 95 I we remember that. I remember watching and again this is pre my conversion but I remember watching Marquise Grissom and his incredibly large feet I, I just remember his feet just looking very clownish in his cleats i don't know why <laughs> but i remember marquise grissom uh securing the last out of the 95 world series uh and and again like you guys had really really good teams also oh yeah also shout out to ted turner because of tbs and superstation yep that exported atlanta braves games to all young people all throughout That's- the nation the reason I'm a Braves fan, right? my dad grew up in a tiny town in Illinois, and he became a Braves fan from TBS. There you go. So, like, they were my they were my NL team, right? Ryan Klesko and like all like Crime Dog and like all those guys, Mark Lemke, like all those guys. It was like I can root for them because again, this is also pre interleague and all that. So, like, I can root for them because the only time they'll see the Orioles is if we both miraculously make the World Series, mm-hmm. which obviously never happened. So, yeah, shout out to the Braves. I, that one was one where I was like, you know what, that's kind of cool. I kind of, I, yeah. I kind of wanted the Astros to win just because I liked how they turned into the villain. Like they had such a, they had such a smooth heel turn, 
And so it was so smooth. I was like, yo, shout out to you guys. Like that, like WWF could not have written that any better. That was literally <laughs> like, that was literally like Rocky, like die, Rocky die to like the corporate rock. Like that was like such a smooth, like that was such so smooth how they oh, yeah. leaned into it. And I kind of wanted them to just like win just to be like, and what? Like, Yeah. Yeah. No, I don't know. It's, it I don't was, know. it was, Great because uh, I think by the championship series, it was the Dodgers, mm-hmm. Braves, uh, Astros, and Astros and Red, Red Sox, Sox. I think yeah. it was. And so by the championship series, anyone whose team was out uh, yeah. was like, "I guess I'm rooting We're, for the Braves because yeah. they're the only yeah. good guy left." Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, like the Dodgers. That was just. I mean, obviously, pandemic was just a weird season, um, and I, it was kind of cool. Like they finally got over the hump. Cause they've been knocking on the doorstep, but I didn't really feel, yeah. I don't really feel e- either type of way. I wasn't like, Oh my God. But I wasn't like, yay for them. Also it's LA. So like how happy can you really be for people that live in LA? Um, yes, exactly. You know, it's like, <laughs> you live in LA, like take it easy. Um, <laughs> shout out to the LA folk. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we love our LA fans. Yeah, we love the LA fan base. Um, <laughs> and then I'm just trying to think back, like, I can I can never get behind the Red Sox winning. I'm sorry, no. like that, no. like 03, That was it. You guys got 03. Kudos to you. Or 04. I keep saying 03. I'm sorry. 04. You yeah. guys got 04. Shout out to you. But like after that, enough. Um, exactly. It's the teams that I just cannot root for: Astros, Yankees, Red Sox, Dodgers. Okay. Can't do it. Won't happen. So the, I, I would generally add the Nationals to that list as well. Oh, we didn't talk about the Nationals as an Orioles fan. I didn't even mention the Nationals. That's a whole whole listen, other thing. Listen, I was so angry when uh, the Expos became the Nationals. I was so irate. You would have thought that I was like the, the third Angelo's son. How angry. <laughs> I was like, how dare Major League Baseball invade the Baltimore Territory? And just post up a team that will completely eat into the revenue stream of the Baltimore Orioles. Like, what do you care, idiot? Like, and it's like it's it's you're not not even in the same division, so it's not a proper rivalry. Like, and both yeah, teams you'll have, have been bad more often than not. Yeah, very true. <laughs> and so you're. It's it's hard to have a, a good like crosstown rivalry as much as that can be across town um, when both teams are bad. So if you guys were both good yeah. for an extended period of time, yeah. I could see that being a fun kind of yeah. Cubs White Sox yeah. sort of thing. Yeah, a little crosstown, yeah. But like, it's, it's not going to happen. The other thing is the fan bases in the cities themselves are just they're they're too. The dichotomy is too weird. It's too off. Um, because like nobody's from DC. Except for like, oh yeah, like the people that are from DC are from the real parts of DC, which like mm-hmm. the Nationals will never claim. So like, Correct. shout out to Southeast, like shout out to my, shout out to the folk in Southeast. But like the Nationals will never be like, yeah, we out in Southeast DC, like doing nothing. Like that's never going to be a no, thing. The, the park is in the Navy, <laughs> right? And you know, it's, it's a beautiful neighborhood, and that's not DC. Right. And 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 Baltimore is just like. Uh, the other thing about Baltimore is, is like, again, uh, Oral Park, best best uh, stadium in, in the league, hands down. I believe but you. But the, the fan base is, is like I said, it's just kind of different. It's just the, the feeling is different. And I don't know, even if both teams were good, if that could ever become like a real rivalry like we've seen with yeah. the other, you know, cross town sort of teams. I don't know. It's, it's odd. 
Yeah, for sure. All right. We've had some hardcore tangents. We're going to have to pick up the pace okay. for these next few so we can get to that break. And you, I know you want to talk about minor leaguers. Yeah. I know you want to do it, but we got to get through your stuff first. Absolutely. All right, man. Do you have a favorite player that you've had growing up? Oh, well, again, I'm a child of the nineties. So of course it's, it's junior. Um, it's gotta be, of course it's Griffey, uh, hands down. It's not, there's really no conversation, uh, around it. He, he, he was the guy. He is the guy. I went to see his induction speech, which was weird because like he went in with, um, Piazza, which was like, shout out to Piazza, but like he got all the love because of like the Mets and the New York and like, and I was kind of like, I, I kind of, I felt like Griffey kind of got shafted on his, I was like, Griffey should get a little bit more. People were respectful. Like, don't get me wrong. People were like, yo, Griffey. And there was a lot of 24s, but it was just, it wasn't the same, which I get. And I almost was like, I kind of almost wish they had two separate ceremonies. Like Piazza deserved that love. Yeah. And I wanted yeah, it was, to it was that, little... but like Griffey was a little muted. <laughs> it was, it was a bit muted for each of them. I kind of thought because it was, I remember distinctly that it was Griffey was the first one, one to ever get in um, with Chipper, I think being the, the only other one, one draft pick. And I think the, the two of them are the only first draft sounds to right. be a hall of famer um but piazza was like pick 1600 or something like that and so that was the big narrative is it's, it's a one one mm-hmm. and a a favor right. to his dad right as a, a round that doesn't even exist anymore <laughs> exactly um and so i felt like they were compared to each other in weird ways that didn't need to be which is what happens with every draft class unless it, and it's only makes sense if it's the Braves trio of pitchers that happened the one time, which was awesome. Right. Uh, yeah, it was a weird thing, but I mean, Ken Griffey Jr. is the coolest person to ever play baseball. Um, I think that's just a fact. I think that is just true. You know what? I I think I don't disagree. I think that um, I was having this thought today, knowing that we were gonna sit down and record um here's another tangent for you like ronald acuna jr in my mind he should be like this this generation's griffey i feel like i feel like he has that and i don't know if he's getting i hate to say that push that sounds so like nebulous but it's not to say like over otani or over tati like i don't think it's over because like griffey wasn't over anybody it was just so right. obvious it was like you yeah. can like bonds you can like mcguire you can like rifkin but obviously you're like obviously griffey's cool like it you didn't need a story behind it it's just so just look at him like everything yeah, exactly him. exactly and i feel like acuna should be like that guy um i don't know i was just having that thought today like i yeah. don't disagree i think where the issue comes in is the language barrier hmm. um yeah. because i don't think that Acuna's English is very good yet. He usually has a translator when he does interviews and stuff like that. Mm. Um, and so I think that has kind of held back his marketability in America. Mm. Uh, but in, I think he should, as soon as he can do halfway decent interviews, he needs to be marketed like crazy because he guess is that's, incredibly cool. That's the other thing, though, is like I don't, I don't disagree. And like, shout out to uh, uh, my Spanish speaking, you know, brothers yeah. and sisters out there. 
I, I respect the fact that, and I've, I've seen it a lot more that they're like, yo, I, they're kind of like making, this generation is kind of making American media kind of come to them more being like, yo, mm-hmm. I'm just going to do this in Spanish. And if you know it, then you know it. And if not, good luck. So like much yep. respect to that. But also like, I don't, as a kid, I don't remember Griffey doing like, like a lot of press. Like, I don't remember him doing a lot of, a lot of interviews, like sitting down for a lot of stuff, but it was just his image. Like literally he's just, yeah. he's in the, he's in home run derby. He's in the all-star game. He's, you're seeing his highlights every night. You're seeing the jerseys. He's got the video game. He's got the shoes. So I'm not disagreeing with like what you're saying is factual, but I think it can be something that can be worked around if, if so chosen. Now, maybe that's him. Maybe he's just like, yo, I'm good where I'm at, which again, much respect to him. Like, cool. But I think yeah. if, if we wanted to have a, an apparent, an heir apparent to Griffey, I think he could be that person. So looking at the uh, top selling jerseys, in 2021, which I think is a, a, good, a good kind of marker good for this, popularity. Yeah. Um, best-selling jersey last year was Mookie Betts. Okay, Mookie's cool. But I mean, he he recently joined a new team, so that kind of changes things. Um, Fernando Tatis was second. Acuna was third. Uh, Baez with the Mets again, new team sort of yeah. vibe. Um, then fifth was actually Kershaw. So man. L.A. crowd, yeah, buying jerseys buying for jerseys. sure, buying a lot of blue. I mean, they're nice jerseys, so I get it. I, I can't blame them; they're clean. How about uh, in your fantasy career? How many leagues do you play in? What's your favorite type of league, etc.? Um, I'm a head-to-head guy. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Leagues that I'm in right now. Um, how many leagues am I in? So I just, I, I just got a chance to join some um nfbc leagues this year um as a writer so i have to remember to include those so i'm in rash slam and i'm in i always get i always get the letters across t g b f i right did i get that right t g f b i yes t g because i always want to say fbi and i get the rest like all jumbled up so i apologize um so i have to add those in and then my home league and then two other leagues i'm in a i'm I'm in a kind of an odd league that i got invited to that i have to see we'll have to see how this goes it, it's a league that they started i guess on a whim where they were just drafting uh, essentially like minor leaguers only Ooh. and then waiting for them to graduate to the major leagues to like fill out your lineup that's so like you can't have so if you go to like the the draft pool like tatis yeah, like yeah. all all major league guys are there but you can't pick them up you can only pick That's up prospects. So I'm curious to see because they've obviously have had some turnover because it's just like there's not much to do if you don't have. No, it's yeah, it's a <laughs> draft and wait yeah, a few years. Yeah, so it, but it's interesting. Um, so we'll see. We'll see how that turns out. So I don't know. Was that added to five or six that I'm in? Oh my god. Yeah. Um. So yeah. Yeah. Gotta love it. Gotta but love yeah, I'm a head to head guy. I, I uh, head to head categories ideally points if we must but yep um categories i think it's just head-to-head categories just it's clean it makes it for i think it's probably the smoothest it, it's just, uh, experience yeah, it's smooth it's in like in like weekly so like none of that i won home runs and like that get like each category is a win and so i have 50 wins after i win every cat like 
that to me gets slapped. And when I look, when people are like, yep. oh, my, my, my record is 114 and, and 27. I'm like, what? Yeah. What? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I will die on this hill. Mm. And it's, it is a mild argument that we have almost every year in the, in the legacy staff league for the pitch for pitch list. Mm. The, there are some guys who really like the individual category wins and other guys who think yeah, like overall, myself yeah. that think the one win per week is superior. It is, I will die on this yeah. hill that it is much more fun to push, to just get a five, four, one yeah, victory. That's, it. that's, it. that's, that is way more fun than having that five, four, one victory count as a, a full win rather than just, Oh, I basically tied. Right. And like that doesn't really help me because I, I pretty much whatever I gained, I've kind of given away as well because I lost these other. Yeah, because other guys, there's that guy over there went nine and right. one this week. Exactly. I went five four one. Right. Yeah, I won technically, but, but like, like doesn't do anything for me. It's almost it almost makes it roto in a weird way. Yeah. It kind of almost makes it roto again. And it's like, well, that's what I didn't want it to be. <laughs> roto is not for me. I've done it once. No, thank you. Uh, uh, I'll do it, but like that's that's definitely uh last it's, resort <laughs> it's not ideal no, yeah no it's not now in the time that you've been with pitcherless here has there been a certain project or article or anything like that, that you've been particularly proud of um i like the the player of the week that i'm doing now player and, yeah. and uh pitcher of the week that i'm doing for minor league baseball that i started um at the start of the season uh just because it gives me a chance to to go back through watch some starts, watch um, some at bats and, you know, highlight, obviously there's going to be some, some name guys, some top 100 guys that are going to show up, but then it's getting a chance to, to really look and say, okay, it's just for this week who had the best mm -hmm, performance mm -hmm. and like, what can I say about what they're doing and how they did it? Uh, so I think that that that's been pretty fun. The farm system power rankings one, which is also a new column. That's also been, a weird duck because I had one idea of how it's going to be. And after that first week, I was like, Oh, that's not going to work at all. I got to <laughs> scrap that now or else I'm going to, this, this is going to be trash and I'm going to drive myself crazy. Yeah. Um, it yeah. is. It is an interesting concept. So each week Lamar will publish an article basically updating all 30 uh, farm systems. Yeah. Yeah. Based on, performances from that week yeah. based on if someone got called up etc etc it is a really fascinating uh concept that i i didn't know i needed in my life yeah so and, <laughs> and that's the other thing too is i was trying to make sure i was connecting it to actual value so like not just doing a, a project to do it but what can somebody get from reading this so again being an nba fan nba power rankings are you know i, I think everybody's familiar with power rankings overall but NBA power rankings, especially um, when done right, can be really insightful during a season to be like, oh, okay, this is how this team is, is moving. This is how this team is, is falling. These are kind of the reasons why. And so I kind of wanted to apply some of that same methodology, but looking at the farm systems, because typically when we get those reports, it's the end of the season, right? It's like right. all these guys have been called up, graduated injured traded whatever and then at the end we're great which is again that's cool that's fine it's very helpful but i'm like but there's all this stuff in the middle like how do they get there what if we could just watch in the middle and then figure out how we sort of 
get to that end point. Yeah, and, I am. Yeah. I am genuinely fascinated and interested to see, like, at the halfway point when a lot we do get a lot of those updates yeah. on the like system power rankings. I want to see not only how your list compares to like Keith Law and some of the major prospect guys, but I want to uh, get like a progress yeah like who chart who where it's like a bunch of yeah bunch of lines yeah. to show where how each yeah. one has progressed through the year yeah. it, it's a interesting concept that i think you've you're doing really well and i'm i'm uh i'm excited to see how that progresses throughout the season yeah it's it's been very volatile um so like you'll see a team like one week they're number three and the next week it's like they're number 25 and so i try to make sure i'm explaining like those really volatile points i try to those are the ones. So just to, if you haven't read this column, just to kind of give you more context, not only am I having these sort of rankings, but I also try to have some blurbs behind why, yeah. right? Because just looking at a chart and being like, this team is now 25th worst farm system where last week they were first, but I, but you don't know why it's like there again, there's no value there. What does this mean? So I try when I have like those, those really volatile swings, I try to have some blurbs for those teams to just kind of talk through like, Hey, Again, it's 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 performance based. So I'm not looking at future value. A guy could be super dynamic, but if he's hitting 188 right now, then in the power rankings right now, that's going to hurt, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So yes, at the end of the year, to Austin's point, like at the end of the year, he may turn it all around and hit 320, and we forget about all this. But right now, for this week, that guy sucks, and therefore, if he's you know the team's number one overall prospect he's going to be dragging down that team's farm system. And I try to keep it to around top 30. Um, I try to keep in mind there's going to be some pop-up guys, obviously, that, that come to play. Um, talking about Atlanta Braves, right? Roiber, Salinas, right? Mm -hmm. None of us knew who Roiber Salinas was three weeks ago. But he's been, you know, not – I don't think he's been in a top 30 conversation, but he definitely will be if he keeps – pitching the way we'll he be has at been the, at the, yeah at the midseason right. for sure so so i have to you know make space for guys like him um last year you have a jose miranda right who's like nobody was talking about jose miranda and then boom again halfway through you got to be having him somewhere on the so um that's that's the value and ideally what i want people to get from it is like i said we always give kudos to certain teams farm systems oh well you know tampa they're always going to have this great farm system oh you know this team they're always going to have great farm system and we don't necessarily or I haven't seen necessarily a real time or pseudo real time conversation about but how and why. Like right. who's and been I performing think, there. I think this this is a like I think it's just a completely unique thing you're doing that I'm genuinely interested to watch. And one of the things I'll be watching each week how consistently yeah. Do the Phillies and Angels <laughs> stay at the very bottom? Yeah. Because they have nothing yeah, going they, on. Yeah, they don't. And and I really, I try not to, and I have these ground rules. Um, so And I and I shout out where I got this idea from, again, from the athletic um, NBA beat writer that does their um, power rankings. I kind of stole some of these ground rules and adapt, adapted them into my own. But one of them I, I call out is, uh, no, I do not hate your team. Like... <laughs> Uh, it, it, I try to keep my mind open to any and everyone, but I just kind of, kind of call it how I see it. So this past week, 
I was like, I can't put the Phillies last because Andrew Painter is 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 really wrecking stuff right now. Like he is doing a tremendous job. Um, so I got to give him a little bit of a boost. But then I look at the Angels and it's like, okay, Brett Carey and like Jordan Adams, and? maybe. Uh, Kyron Paris is coming back from injury. We're still kind of waiting on that. It's just like a lot of like uh, like a lot of shrugs. And so, you know, the first week I want to say they were probably in like I think they were in like the top ten because it was just Brett Carey and everything was so new. So they, I mean, it was the first week, so it was only a handful of games that had gotten played. So cool, Brett Carey is carrying the whole squad. Okay, great. But now we're a few more games in. You know, we're what like fifteen or so games in at least three weeks in. It's like, that's all you got? That's your best? That's not good enough, right? When I'm looking at these other teams that are super stacked at just one level. I mean, there's teams that, that are good at just one level, let alone all the way through. So, yeah, yeah you know, you're going to have those teams that are down. And then you have, to your point, you have some teams that are pretty much like a metronome. Like, I think the Cardinals and who was it that, like, flip-flop spots all three weeks? It's the Cardinals and somebody else that have literally gone, like, 16, 17, 16. <laughs> or something like that, like 15, 17. Brutal. You know, and it's like, they're not great, but they're not terrible. They're just like, they're right there in the middle. And and typically, the other thing about it is, um, it's normally teams that are heavy on one side of the ball or the other. Right. Right. Um, so teams that have like some, some really good hitting prospects that are warm, that are heating up, but their pitching isn't necessarily there, or teams that have multiple pitchers, especially at multiple levels, that are that are putting in you know a, a lot of good innings, but their hitters maybe haven't gotten haven't caught up uh, to mm-hmm. to where they are. So um, yeah, it's been interesting. Uh, it's another way again, just another layer to to look at minor league baseball and to to get a read on things. Um, and it's a good way to really think through making decisions. Like I was talking about before, like the, that decision making of like what am I putting my name on? When I'm moving a team, I'm like, okay, I have the first 15. Oh, but I didn't get to this team yet. And this team has to be ranked. And it's like, okay, well, let me take a step back. Maybe I need to just re-look at all this again and reconsider and try not to have preconceived notions of like, oh, Daniel Espino had another great start for the uh, Guardian. So obviously Cleveland's going to be number one. It's like, well, okay, Espino's great. What else is going on? Like, who else is going on there? Nobody this week. Well, can you really put him at number one just based on just his performance? So mm-hmm. yeah, it's definitely interesting. I'm digging it. Good stuff, man. Well, all right, we're gonna go ahead and take a quick break here, and we will be right back. And we're gonna talk more baseball. Absolutely, it's gonna be great. Hey, Alex Fast here, and thanks for listening to this podcast on the Pitcher List Podcast Network. If you're a fan, consider supporting all of us by getting a PL Plus subscription, where you're going to get an ad-free website and get access to our Discord, where you can talk to all of our podcast hosts and staff. Plus, you can hang out with our incredible Pitcher List community. It's basically a baseball sanctuary year-round for as low as $8 a month. You can sign up at pitcherlist.com backslash plus, and you're going to get your first month free with promo code 
podcast. Also, don't forget to check out everything else we do as well from YouTube videos, live streams, newsletters, off-season articles, TikToks, breakdowns, over 15 baseball podcasts on our network. We can't stop talking about baseball even during the off-season. So sign up for PL Plus today at pitcherlist.com backslash plus and use promo code podcast to get your first month free. All right. Thanks for listening. Let's get back to the show. And we are back. Now, Lamar, you wanted to talk about the future of minor league baseball, and I was unsurprised by that. I mean, you're you're one of our prospect guys on our dynasty team. Um, minor leagues are kind of your thing. Uh, but we were discussing very briefly um, before we started recording what all that would entail. And you're talking more on like a macro level. Yeah, think. yeah. Is that what you mean? Yeah, so not necessarily on the field, but but kind of the business. I guess maybe that's the way I should have labeled it, the future of the business of minor league baseball. Um, and it's really just a few different stories that I've been trying to keep an eye on. And unfortunately, I don't I don't think any of them are super positive, in my opinion. Mm. Um, so the, the first sort of prong to this is minor league teams overall and like the contraction obviously we've already had of the 30 or so minor league teams after 2019 season uh that major league baseball you know just cut out from affiliation uh many of them ended up having to close up shop completely which was like a a really a double hit they they weren't affiliated and then obviously had COVID that they ran into going into 2020 so a lot of those teams just don't exist at all anymore um a few of them still live on in, in unaffiliated leagues summer leagues etc um but if you read certain beat writers and, and i apologize for not knowing uh the names off the top of my head but reading certain writers there's speculation that my that major league baseball really wants to contract more uh and really kind of start eliminating entire levels now and the thought process is from major league baseball and major league baseball teams the the front offices is Essentially, hey, most of these guys are never going to make it to a major league team. So, like, why are we even bothering? Uh, let's just go ahead and, and sort of focus on the, the high draft picks, the high J2 guys, and that's it. Um, and to me, that just kind of – it stinks, quite honestly, if it goes that way. And there's very little barrier, I think, to prevent it from going that way with major league baseball sort of control of minor league baseball. Uh, yeah. They're – minor league baseball has been a part of the story of baseball um, pretty much since branch Ricky created the farm system, right? Right. Since he, since he came up with that idea, Um, many teams historically, uh, many baseball teams historically have lived on through minor league baseball. So I'm, I'm talking about as far as in cities and and with nicknames, right? Chattanooga lookouts, um, et cetera. Like, those teams have very long histories in their cities, uh, in and around their cities. So um, thinking about those teams just getting cut, thinking about those cities not having baseball, affordable baseball available to them, because that's another thing. Like where I live um, in, in the Southeast, I have a non-Atlanta Braves baseball team that I can go see that's affordable mm-hmm. and, and very close by. And I call out Atlanta uh, only because if you look at the map of coverage for Major League Baseball, the Braves pretty much own the South. There's really no yeah. other Southern team 
There are two teams in Florida, but Which it's Florida is its own thing. It's basically not <laughs> the South, but it's Atlanta, and then you got to go up to like Baltimore. Well, DC, for the next right? team, DC, DC and Baltimore, right? yeah. But again, they kind of serve more the the Mid Atlantic metro area. Exactly. Um, if you go, the Braves are all yeah. of like St. Louis is is kind of seems to identify more Midwest and South. And and, and sure. I'm not just talking about culturally. I'm also talking about like actual logistics of TV broadcasting of that mm-hmm. nature. So I think that's also uh, trying not to get off on too much of a, a yet another tangent, but I think that's also why you see this push for a team in Nashville that kind of breaks up yes. that sort of block that you have there. Yes, but, absolutely. but anyways, the idea behind that, and then also it seems even more, um, I don't want to use the word nefarious, but it seems even more uh, highly coincidental. I'll put it that way. Highly coincidental <laughs> when you see the great work that um, advocacy for uh, minor leaguers and, and those sorts of groups are doing for the environment and the workspace, really, for minor league baseball players and seeing the major push and the major public push that you see for them to get housing and better pay. Yeah. And then to kind of hear major league baseball be like, yeah, maybe we'll just cut like half of this it's kind of like hmm that's a that's an interesting conclusion that's interesting timing for you guys to come to this conclusion after decades centuries almost of of this being perfectly fine right and perfect you know guys riding the bus that's the story bull Durham, like that's the story everybody's fine all of a sudden people want to get paid better and have better housing and now we're like yeah maybe we don't need all this all this minor league maybe that's too much so I, again, that's my speculation. That's my reading. There can definitely be another side to this. I'm open to hearing it. But that to me is just, that's one prong that's very troubling. A, a second prong along with that is something that I did not know and I found out. And I definitely want to be fact-checked on this. It's very hard to find this information out. So if anybody knows this better, please fact-check. Send in your email uh, tweet what have you to either myself or Austin or somebody so we can dig it even deeper. But in the, the during the lockout, um, obviously there was a move for a lot of people to cancel their MLB TV. And a question came up actually in the picture list Discord, if I'm correct, where P- somebody asked, what about MILB TV? And like, should we push to cancel that as well until the lockout is resolved? Because we don't want that money going to the owners. Or does it? And as I looked into it and what I found, mm. which was only a couple of articles, admittedly, it does seem like minor league baseball as an entity owns broadcasting rights and sells them to major league baseball, which I think is pretty cool because that raises the uh, possibility of them being able to sell those rights to someone else and ESPN um What's the uh uh I'm blanking on the other streamer, what the zone that does like a lot of the UFC stuff? Yeah, like yeah. any of those other broadcasters. Bally and right. like, the big one. What does that do for the economy of minor league baseball? Um, if they were able to do that and anybody that subscribes to MILB TV, you know that camera angles aren't always best. You still have teams that don't broadcast at all. And those teams uh, not the the ones that do broadcast, they really are trying their best. Like I think it was Aberdeen. I saw a tweet from the Aberdeen Ironbirds like official Twitter account. And if it wasn't Aberdeen, I apologize. I think it was going off of memory. But somebody asked them about like, 
hey, when you guys get in the center field camera, because they don't have one, like their camera angles are pretty much open side, right, mm. to the batter, left and right. But there's no center field, like behind pitcher mound view. And they were like, oh, we, we've been trying to get one. We should have one shipped in the next couple of weeks. And it's just kind of like, well, wait, I thought the, the, the great news behind ML, uh, MLB taking over the minor leagues was they're going to enrich it and, and invest all this money and energy and resources. They're talking up on the MILB TV page about everything is going to be in HD and you're going to have multiple cameras. And, but it still seems like these minor league teams are kind of not fending for themselves, but still kind of trying to scratch at getting to those resources that they were being promised. Um, so now I'm like, well, hey, maybe you guys have to, maybe you guys have to take it on your own and and look to somebody else. Like maybe your MLB is not going to save you, and you kind of have to right. take your salvation into your own hands. I again, some of that speculation. If anybody has a better idea of what's going on in that space, I really do want to know more about that because when I read that and I reported it back in the in the Discord with the links to the articles, everybody was seemingly surprised. Like nobody knew that they own their own rights. So like. I want to know more about that story. So please, anybody, please get in contact with me. I would love to, if we want to write about it, like whatever. Um, and then the third prong, just real quick to, to uh, cut this short. Um, we talked about, like I said, we talked about the um, the contraction of teams. We talked about the um, economy behind broadcasting rights and things of that nature. But then you have um, Endeavor Group, and I definitely recommend this is easy information to find. If you, so this is interesting. Yeah, yeah. If you type in, if you Google Endeavor Group, there's tons of reporting. And this reporting is not just sports reporting, which makes it even more interesting to me. Like I'm looking, I have it right here. I have this article from the Hollywood Reporter. So like this isn't beyond just baseball. So this is um, the Endeavor Group. They already own UFC um img wme they created a subsidiary called diamond baseball holdings and that subsidiary was able to own and operate uh multiple minor league teams so these are the teams mm -hmm. that are being reported that they and when when you talk about own operate that means they purchased these teams okay they bought the teams they are operating uh, Scranton Wilkes-Barre Rail Riders, so that's AAA for the Yankees. Iowa Cubs, that's AAA for the Cubs. Memphis Redbirds, that's AAA for Cardinals. Uh, all of the Atlanta Braves minor league teams, all four, all four levels. Uh, San Jose Giants, which is uh, low A for San Francisco, and mm -hmm. the high affiliate for um, the Yankees as well, which I believe is Hudson Valley. Hudson Valley Red right? Braves, yep. Um, and reporting that I've read, this is not me reporting. This is me reading and taking this information in is speculating that they're looking to buy more. And so I'm just, yes, I'm from what I'm reading here, I, I see that, uh, two other teams that they're in discussions with to purchase Oklahoma city Dodgers, triple a for the, uh, Dodgers and Springfield Cardinals, double a for the Cardinals. So when I look at this again, just it's sort of just alarm bells going off of like, okay, you have one group coming in as a holding company purchasing a bunch of minor league teams. Now, mind you, not all minor league teams are like a little mom and pop shop. Like some of them already have some corporate yeah. backing, but again, it just still brings up that specter 
as we know in just economy overall and in American capitalism, again, not to get too galaxy brain here, but <laughs> you have one group that starts to buy in all of possible competition. What does that do for the product? What does that do for what the fans are getting? What does that do for the employees? And I don't just mean the baseball players, the broadcasters, because a lot of these guys are, and, and women, excuse me, a lot of the men and women that are broadcasting for uh, minor league teams, they're doing their best, right? They're not your national names. They're, they're, they're shuttling around. COVID impacted them. They were in and out of, you know, knowing if they were going to have jobs. Uh, what does that do for those employees as well? So a lot of it is, I don't know. A lot of it is question marks, but these are kind of the three things that I'm keeping my eye on as much as I love prospects and Marco Luciano and Julio Rodriguez got called up and that's great. And who's going to get drafted number one, Drew Jones and Tamar Johnson, like all that is awesome. But I also like to keep an eye on like, what is the, what's the business? What, where's the money going? And these are three stories that I'm trying to keep a strong eye on as well. And I, I want to alert other baseball fans too, as well. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting. I had not taken a huge interest in minor league baseball beyond, you know, prospects for fantasy purposes. And I hadn't taken a huge interest in it until I moved from Illinois to North Carolina. In Illinois, there's not very many minor league teams. I think there's like four in the state. In North Carolina, we've got like Asheville, Fayetteville. Mm -hmm. um, I think I think there's like twelve or fifteen. Yeah. I mean, within thirty minutes of me, I've got three yeah. in Greensboro, High Greensboro, Point, and Winston Salem. Yep. Yep. Um, so I I have taken a much bigger interest just because I can go to a game for eight bucks exactly. while driving fifteen minutes yep. down the road, and I can also get two dollar beer. Beers. Exactly, I was gonna say two dollar beer. Exactly, Greensboro Grasshopper yep. games are dope, y'all. Yep. Um, but yeah, it's it's fascinating to to kind of look into the the life that minor leaguers lead and the business practices that have led to that, especially a lot of, a lot more uh, light was shown on that due to the canceled minor league 2020 season, mm -hmm. not shortened like MLB canceled. Mm -hmm. There were no minor league games in 2020. There were, you know, affiliate camps where they went to work out and play, I guess, yeah. but we don't eat. It's not a lot of black site stuff, right? It's a lot of like, yeah, they were in, they were at the complex and, and something happened. And, and yeah, we're getting that happening a lot. It was not lot. super official on what yeah. happened at each camp yeah. and who was and wasn't there yeah. and what kind of things they actually did at those camps. Yeah. It, it was not widely reported on. And I'm not sure if that was because people weren't interested or if that was because the teams didn't make that information available. Yeah, a lot of it seemed to be accessibility. You, you heard some. Agreed. I think the athletic did from my standpoint i'm not a, i don't not affiliate with them don't work for them it's just that's who i happen to be reading um i think they did a pretty bang up job though of, of trying to keep up and keep track of what was happening i gotta shout out uh bridge roley for her reporting and i know there's others but that's the name that jumps into my head um for their reporting about the minor league baseball players uh living situations they've done a, a great yep. job there so like shout out to their that that team that staff and and, and writing group um but yeah, it, it, it's it's just, I guess the word that I was used to sum it up is is disconcerting, right? It doesn't make that me is feel. A, that is a good way to feel. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't I, I don't I, feel yeah. comfortable with what the future will hold, 
Yeah. And there's, it's hard to properly quantify the value of minor league baseball because without minor league baseball, we never would have had Mike Piazza. He was not a prospect on the map. And there's stories like that all the time. Maybe not to a Hall of Fame level, but, you know, you've got guys like uh, Matzik uh, for the Braves who was out of baseball and now has come back and was a essential piece in the Braves World Series. I'll, I'll take it back even even more elemental to baseball. You just came off of April 15th. I was teaching my uh, daughter about Jackie Robinson Day because she was learning about Jackie Robinson uh, amongst other famous people at her school. And it was a couple, it was when she was wondering about it, it was, it was about a week before Jackie Robinson Day, but I was telling her it was coming up. And now we're, uh, you know, uh, about two weeks after. Jackie Robinson was a minor league baseball player. When Branch Rickey created the minor league yep. system, Jackie Robinson mm-hmm. was one of the early minor leaguers that he had signed to, to a minor league team. If you don't have the minor leagues, do you have, do, do you, would, would Branch Rickey have felt comfortable? And would Jackie Robinson himself have felt comfortable? We don't know. But just throwing him to the wolves by saying, hey, cool, you're going from UCLA and now you're going to be playing baseball at with, with the Dodgers? Without having that minor league way to calibrate for for both parties to see if this was actually going to work for for Jackie Robinson to actually be able to understand, hey, I know I can play baseball. That was never a question. Jackie Robinson was a phenomenal athlete. If you read up on him, baseball was his like oh, least yeah. best sport. So that should tell you everything you need to know about the man. But for him to know, can I actually withstand? Can my family actually withstand the psychological pain and trauma that I'm going to have to endure just at this level? And for Branch Rickey to, to I mean, I got to give some credit where credit is due. And I know it wasn't completely altruistic. There was money behind this. But also for him to see, like, is this investment going to pan out? Is this idea actually going to work? You need you need the minor leagues. So the idea that there are again, I don't want to sound overly conspiratorial or, or malevolent, but like that there are other parties that that are interested in the just the money parts of minor league that's not surprising but to see major league baseball essentially baseball itself at the highest level not show too much concern about how it grows i mean we talk we call it a farm system for a reason like we we use these terms for a reason it's literally growth it's literally how the thing grows and it seems like major league baseball yet another example of them being like "Eh, we'll cut off we'll cut off the stalk to the to the crop because we've already reaped the rewards of the season essentially right like we don't care about what happens after we got what we needed Mm -hmm. now and like eventually you got to pay the piper like that's going to come back to bite you if you keep having that mentality yeah it is uh it is definitely concerning the news that we've gotten i think you know with a lot of the rumored um talking points and discussion points for the new CBA that the players union was getting at and what we were able to get and what we had to leave behind based on for minor league play. It's, it's obvious that the players union values 
the minor leagues and they know the players union knows what is important there and they know that it is a very integral part of the game as a whole and so i do have some hope that the players union is going to be able to vouch for them and work for them i was honestly i'm very pleased at the lockout that we got Mm. just because that shows that the players union isn't is no longer going to just roll over and give the owners what they want and so i'm hopeful that we will continue to get some you know concessions here and there to improve the minor leagues but yeah. it's I, I think ultimately it's concerned yeah ultimately and I, and I know we got mailbag questions to get to and we're already going long so I, I don't want to take up too much more time but ultimately in my outsider opinion non-affiliated non-super involved um until minor leaguers and minor league baseball gets a seat at that table um they're going to be getting pushed around when it comes to stuff like this because even the even the the players union it's the MLB players union, their investment, yes, their priority, their focus are players that have already made it to major league baseball, whatever, wherever they fall, they could be a rookie. They could have only played one game, thrown one inning, whatever, or they could be a, a soon to be hall of famer, but that's yep. their focus. Triple A and low. They like you guys, right? <laughs> they used to be you guys, but it's not the same. And until there's quite honestly, until there's a union form, and they get a seat at that bargaining table as well for their own things, these sorts of stories and, and anything like it probably will continue to grow um, and, and continue. So that's that's my outside opinion. But let's let's move to lighter, lighter topics. <laughs> I think we've down I think we've down the, the audience enough here. <laughs> yeah, dude. Minor league baseball is really fun. Please go support yes. your local teams. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, go, you know, I I don't yet own a Greensboro Grasshoppers hat. Yeah. I'm going to have to grab yeah. one of those next time merch. I'm there. I got to get some because merch, yeah. it, And let's be fair. Most of the like teams in the minor leagues are a lot more cool, a lot cooler yes. than the major yes. leagues. Like we have two, two major league teams named after socks. Yeah, that's true. Just a different color. I mean, yeah. well, three, if you count the reds, because the reds. That, yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's like, I'm down here. I've got you got uh, grasshoppers. In, you got tourists. You got woodpeckers. You got mudcats. You got all sorts yeah. of stuff in North Carolina. In in High Point, where I live now, uh, the team is the Rockers. Now, one would think that that's something like based on Stones or music or something like no. that. Fun no. fact: High Point Rocking is the chairs. furniture capital of the world. Yeah. They are the Rockers. And they are a rocking chair. Yep. That's amazing. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So minor league baseball is so weird. Yeah. It's so fun. Yeah. Please go out and support it. Cause this is, you know how we always, and the lockout was a perfect example of this. Fans always want to say, well, my, my money pays your salary. And we always have to constantly tell them like, no, actually that's not how this works at all. Mm-hmm. Minor league baseball is actually one of the few times where like that's actually a thing that is true <laughs> your money actually does help pay not only the, the the bit of money that the minor league makes but also the vendors there like i said the broadcasters mm-hmm. the people in the clubhouse like it actually helps to run that stadium in almost all scenarios very few yep. are like ran by like somebody who's independently wealthy or like a 
independently wealthy group. So please go out and support your minor league baseball teams, if nothing else. Yeah, you can get in for $2 beers, $1 beers. If you're if you're, if you're a drinker, if you're not understood, but still, it, they got they got soda. Yeah. It's it's, it's great. Awesome. <laughs> Two dollar hot dogs, yeah. if nothing yeah. else. All right, what we got for mailbag? Hit me with mailbag. We questions. got lots of stuff. We like to devote a large portion of the podcast to answering your questions. So, if you got questions for me and my guest, go ahead and send them to me. You can tweet them to me directly on Twitter. I am at Verstowski. Better yet, I ask every week in the PL Plus Discord server. We've got an entire channel simply called Mailbag Questions. It's great. You can hop in there anytime, send it to us, and I ask every week. We'd be happy to grade your trades, offer analysis on a player you've been wondering about, or answer any other number of inquiries. Now, this week, we're talking a lot of players. It's going to be good. We're going to kind of go quick here, but it's going to be fun. So... One of our PL Plus supporters here, Link Forrester, he wants to know, I'm going to have you go kind of rapid fire on some of these Orioles mm-hmm. guys here. Uh, let's talk about Cedric Mullins. Go, Cedric Mullins. Uh, he's playing exactly the way he should. Um, he's not a 30-30 guy. Last year was uh, you know, a blip, but he's exactly where he should be. Absolutely. I am... I anyone who is drafting Cedric Mullins to give you a uh, another you know twenty five homers twenty five steals I don't nope. know that you're gonna get nope. that but I think he could be a consistent twenty twenty there guy. it is that, um, that's it two seventy five twenty twenty that Cedric Mullins yeah I I would not be worried that he's hitting one ninety five right now he's got a two thirty two BABIP last year was a three twenty two so he's almost a hundred points under his BABIP. I, I would highly expect that to correct itself yeah. pretty soon. He is stealing bases. He's He's got three already so far, two homers. So he's doing the stuff you drafted him to do. Trust the process. He's going to come around, yeah. I think. Uh, Anthony Santander. Probably the bane of every Orioles fan's existence. Uh, we can never get a handle on this guy. <laughs> every time it looks like he's he's hitting another level, he either gets hurt or he, gets, he, he hits a cold streak. Um, at this point, I think he's expendable for the Orioles uh, as far as trading. I don't know what they what they can get for him, but yep. I, I think especially if you look at their the Orioles minor leaguers, um, Colton Cowser, uh, uh, I'm kind of of course now I'm blanking on uh, some of the other. Well, even just who they have um, in, on the squad already with Austin Hayes, Mount Council. I know they don't really like to put him in outfield too much, but I, I just he was a great stopgap. But now that you have some actual players and some prospects coming up, uh, I think Santander's time. It's time. It's time for the bank to close. That's what I say. I don't disagree with you. One thing I will say: mm-hmm. in twenty games so far, he has a nineteen percent walk rate. Mm-hmm. That's new. That, he that takes is, walks now. Apparently, that is new. I mm, I don't know how long that's going to last, but that is something to watch. He's still got a he's still got a twenty one percent strikeout rate, yeah, but like I mean, but that that'll work. Uh, my thing is, how long is he going to stay healthy? Yeah, that's the <laughs> other thing. He he has never played more than one hundred and ten mm-hmm. games. And that was last season. Mm-hmm. So, fingers crossed. He seems like a good guy. I'd like to see him succeed, but uh, it's he's in a good ballpark to do it. But boy, oh boy, he hasn't done yeah. it. Uh, the guy who led the SP roundup this morning, 
Mr. Bradish Juice, Kyle Bradish. Listen, everybody at this point in the Discord should know how much I love Kyle Bradish and how excited I was for him to start. Thank you to uh, MOB for blacking out the game so I can watch it. Appreciate that. Um, Super great. Yeah, awesome. Uh, but big fan of his. Have been talking him up for quite some time. I do think last night starting actually surprised me that he went six. I thought he'd be capped around five innings. Um, so six innings and getting the, the quality start is even better. I, only 81 pitches only to get 81 those six pitches. innings. Listen, that's the sort of start. I know the strikeouts weren't a lot. That's, that's okay. That's okay. That sort of line is even better than I expected it to be because I thought it was going to be a little bit rougher for him to start, even though I like him. I thought it was going to be a little bit rougher. If that's what he's going to be doing this season, I truly think Kyle Bradish is a guy that has the ability to develop into a, a person that we look at three years from now or so, three, four seasons from now, and go, wow, this guy is really, really good. It's not going to be an immediate sort of thing. It's going to be a process. It's going to be a journey. He will get blown up. I'm saying that right yeah. now. He's going to have some yeah. high walk numbers. I'm saying that right now. But I think the finished product is going to be uh, significant. I'm doing a lot of nodding my head over here. And I'm going to read a, the excerpt from Nick's SP roundup this morning. Uh, in short, sure, he might be worth it. He gets the twins next week. In long, he features a 94-mile-per-hour four-seamer with cut action, decent slider, and a curveball changeup that can earn whiffs against lefties. Nick thinks he might be a Toby, um, which is, for those of you who aren't super up-to-date on your pitcherless vocab, <laughs> That's a guy that is kind of just there. He's going to get you decent numbers, but he's never going to be great for you. I kind of agree. I think, um, you know, last night, nine whiffs, which is a 27% rate uh, or 27% CSW. Sorry. Um, it was good to start off with. Um, who did he throw against last night? Uh, the Red yeah. Sox. So not a bad offense. Yeah. He gets the twins next yeah. week. So yeah, pick him up for the twins for sure. Yeah. I, I, um, I, I, he pitches in a rough ballpark. Yeah, I will respectfully, slightly disagree with with our our fear, fearless leader Nick as far as as him as a Toby. Now, I, I mean, I guess, I guess if if you're saying his current value is as a Toby, I can see that because again, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think this season, um, it, it, he's not going to be winning any any Rookie of the Year awards. But I think the long, if you're in a dynasty. Even in a keeper, depending on your rules, I know keepers are kind of weird, but definitely in a dynasty, he's a guy that you really want to look long and hard at at making sure you you hang on to. That's my belief. I, I bet yeah. I don't plant flags a lot, but that's a guy I'm willing to plant a flag in. There you go, and a guy who's kind of uh, stood out so far as seemingly the closer. Jorge Lopez has looked pretty good this year. Surprisingly so. Uh, I think we all should know, as fantasy baseball players, a good reliever, especially a good closer on a bad team, is like the number one trade this guy scenario. Yep. Um, or if they did a couple years ago with Michael Givens, I see no reason why they shouldn't do it now with Jorge Lopez. I think it's great that he's throwing 97, 98 miles an hour. He's 28 years old. He's just now hitting the closer role for the first time. He will do absolutely nothing for the next good Orioles team. Correct. So they should they should move him for whatever they can pretty get. much because there's there's really no key reason to keep him around. And I'll be honest, I don't even know once we get into really the thick of the season, 
how many save chances is he really going to get? Like, let's be real, guys. The Orioles aren't that good. You have to be you have to be competitive to get saves. <laughs> yeah, you have to you have to you know score yes. more runs than the other yes. team, and then hold on to that. <laughs> so uh, I've been I've been pounding the table for Felix Batista, and and sort of the more longer term. He's a bit younger. He's I think twenty five, twenty six. Um, definitely definitely a reliever. No chance of him getting bumped into a starting rotation at all. And I think he's the guy that can kind of sit and wait in that seventh, eighth uh, inning spot as a high leverage guy. And if and when they deal Jorge Lopez, I think Bautista is the, is the next man up. So if you're looking at um, who to pick up and, and hold on to. If you're real desperate for saves. Yeah, yeah. I would say, like, take a look at Bautista. Maybe grab him. If you have Jorge Lopez, maybe it's smart to have Bautista as well, just on the side. So that yeah, if Lopez, get, yeah, you know, if, if Lopez does get dealt, typically these guys we know, they get dealt from the good team where they're the closer. I mean, from the bad team where they're closer to a good team where they're the seventh or eighth guy. They lose out on mm-hmm. a lot of save and hold chances. Now you're still good because you still get replenished with Bautista as the backup. So that's what I would say. Good call. All right. Let's talk a few prospects Absolutely. here. Link Forrester, once again, had some prospects he want to know about. Some guys that, you know, might have a chance of coming up sooner or later in 2022. First one here, pitcher for Miami, Max Meyer. He has had four starts this season at AAA for them. 19 and two-thirds innings, 27 strikeouts, 183 ERA, 071 whip. This guy's looking good so far. And he was looking good last year in his couple starts he did get as well. Yeah. Um, there's really not a lot to say about Max Meyer um, that can't really just be seen in the numbers. He set, um, he had a great start last night. Um, I was just kind of combing some minor league numbers and, and I saw he put up some some great numbers last night again. Uh, the, I think the, the tweet that I saw said there's really nothing for him to do at AAA anymore, right? And I agree. Um, I think just with the Marlins, it's just a matter of where he fits into the rotation. Do they go six man to, to make space for him? Um, Edward Cabrera is coming back from, he's rehabbing to come back from injury as well. So it's just, you know, they have that good problem to, to quote the wire, right? They had one of them good problems where they just got a lot of young arms that are super talented that all are major league ready, um, if not already at the major league level. So I think that's the only question is, where do they slot Meyer in? But, you know, if you have Max Meyer, you hold him and you're just very happy about having him on your team. Yeah, I I think the Miami Marlins have quietly put together one of the best rotations in baseball with Alcantara, Lopez, Trevor Rogers, Eliezer Hernandez, Jesus Lazardo. That's really good. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think Sandy Alcantara is a legit ace. Um, and... I don't know that Max Meyer will even debut with the Marlins. I could see them trying to trade him. Cause I, mm. one thing I talked about recently is with the expanded playoffs teams like the Marlins are kind of in the hunt. Now on average, you only need about 82 to 83 wins to make the playoffs nowadays. Mm-hmm. And so if they can get some hitting in return for Max Meyer, I could see them trading to get a decent infielder or something like that. Yeah, I mean, 
the the caveat or the other side of that is I don't know um, that their front office is going to be that aggressive, especially for a guy in Meyer specifically that they really had, were high on from the time that they drafted him. Fair point. You know, so it's like, and, and again, being that pitching rich, there's like three other guys that they could probably trade and be. Yeah. I mean, if you just look at, they just had a trade with the Orioles, and I was like, as an Orioles fan, I was like, that's the best pitcher that the Orioles could get back. They got um. Uh, uh, Vesia, I believe is his last name. Am I blank? That sounds right. Um, and I'm like, he, he's okay, but I mean, it's the Marlins. You, you couldn't, like, there's like three other guys that have at least higher upside than what you got back for um, for the reliever that they dealt. So I think, you know, if the Marlins want to do that, I don't know that Max Myers the guy to make that move on, right? I think they have some Fair other enough. pitchers that they can buy. Yeah. Send send or or package a couple guys, right? Like send him and yeah. him, uh, Zach McCambly and um, I don't know, uh, uh, George Soriano or something like that. Like send two of them out and get that infielder that you're talking about or, or something of that nature. Um, yeah, I think fair I think point, I think Meyer is like the apple of their eye. Very well, maybe. Uh, next guy we're looking at here, heading over to the other coast in Seattle. Another pitcher here. Uh, this is George Kirby. Four starts so far in 2022 at the AA level for them. 19 and two-thirds innings, 25 strikeouts, 137 ERA, 092 whip. Man, what more does he need to do? Same. I mean, it's, it's the Max Meyer story just in the Pacific Northwest. Like, he, he's ready to rock. And I think um, what I, I guess I what I would wonder is if they're looking at what happened with Logan Gilbert and kind of using that as a template of how they want to layer in George Kirby as far as that promotion. Um, so if you, if you think about Logan Gilbert was like the first guy up, obviously in, in that sort of um, cohort of pitchers that the Mariners had where it was Brandon Williamson, obviously before the trade uh, Kirby Emerson Hancock was the most recent uh, through the mm-hmm. draft. And, and then Logan Kirby, uh, Logan Gilbert, excuse me, was at the top. Um, Gilbert had his first few starts kind of got rocked around it was a little bit of panic I panic sold him that was a very stupid move on my part again told you told you <laughs> terrible fantasy player I completely panicked um but then he got and then it came now he's looking like you know who who we kind of anticipated so I wonder if for the Mariners especially because they are a playoff team right they are a team that is in that hunt already for sure um for sure if they're like hey we we, we know Kirby is kind of ready. We want to bring him up, but um, just trying to figure out how to, like I said, layer, uh, layer him in. I, that's the one thing that I just don't know. Yeah, I think it will that. probably take an injury there because there it's another good rotation right now, or at least a steady rotation with Robbie Ray, Logan Gilbert, Marco Gonzalez, Chris Flexen, and and the new breakout of Matt Brash. So I think it's probably going to take an injury, uh, but I I would be surprised if we don't see um, George Kirby yeah. in 2022. Yeah, same, same. Next one we're looking at here. We all really know the story of O'Neill Cruz. He should be he should be the starting shortstop in Pittsburgh right now. Should he? Should he? Let me ask this question. I think so. Let me ask this question. I'm just going to know devil's advocate. Uh, he's, he's batting what, 240 or so, 250 at AAA right now. Uh, 188. So that's even, I'm a couple weeks old. Um, (laughs) so I mean, 
maybe and, and again i just want to i've said this in other discords uh other servers as well like i think honestly uh leo ver um Aguera is actually the pirate's future shortstop because he's actually a shortstop so i know everybody's was mad at pittsburgh i know o'neill was tearing off the the cover off the ball during spring training i know this but like maybe they were actually right Maybe he could take a little bit more seasoning and uh, also in learning a new position and learning the outfield, making sure that he's good out there as well. Um, also, I don't know what they're going to do with Brian Reynolds because like he he was good and then he was bad and then he was good mm-hmm. and now he's bad. So do you keep him and hope he becomes good? Do you trade him and get whatever you can, even though you're trading him low? Where they always going to keep him and never trade him? I don't know what goes on in the Pittsburgh front office. I don't think any of us really know what is right. happening in Pittsburgh. <laughs> you know, so yes, will O'Neill Cruz play in the major leagues um, in 2022? I believe so. Yes. Yeah. Do I they need to? Be... Should he be there right now? I mean, is it more beneficial for him to be batting 199 in the major leagues versus AAA? Probably. Right. It, it, he's at least learning. And it's not like Pittsburgh mm-hmm. is going to be hurting for wins either way. Either but way. I, I'm not I'm not as mad as some others are about it. If he was going off, if he was doing a you know uh, Julio Rodriguez, where it's just like there's nothing this guy can't do in the minor leagues. Right. But uh, but again, like we see with J Rod, he never played Triple uh, uh, A. We saw with Kalinic, he didn't play tr- at Triple A. They promoted him, then they had to send him back to Triple A. And we're still having mm-hmm. questions about him a year or so later. Uh, Joe, Joe Adele is another like, and Joe Adele did play AAA. It's some, it's hard. It's difficult. Jump into the major leagues is very <laughs> hard, and the guys who get here and succeed right away are few and far between. But we, those are the ones who stand out because those are the ones who are becoming superstars. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's very hard. Yeah. Next guy's here, King Hippo, one of our um, big members of our community here. Asking about two notable top 100 types. Nolan Gorman is the first one here. Third base infield prospect here in St. Louis. Mm -hmm. He is knocking the cover off the Mm -hmm. ball in triple A. In 70 or 77 plate appearances here, 10 homers already. 343, 390. 800 slugging percentage. Mm-hmm. That's a 1190 OPS. Here's the other thing. 32.5% K sure. rate. So that's always been a part of his game. He's a, he is a bit of a, he, he swings and misses, but he has 70 grade raw power. What's your thoughts on Gorman? Are we going to see him in St. Louis this summer? Um, so Nolan Gorman, former uh, minor league player of the week, uh, I think week two, when he would just he couldn't stop homering. So I definitely ha- have been looking at this. Um, I also got to shout out uh, Trevor Hooth because I'm going to steal his talking point on this. So like this is Trevor Hooth's talking point. This is not Lamar Gibson's. Uh, that K rate, if you subtract, I think what Hooth was saying if is if you subtract that first week or so, um, falls from that 32 to like 25, 26%. So again, that's mm-hmm. Trevor Hoof's analysis. That is not my own. Um, <laughs> but I think it, it points to something specific, which is 
Gorman is going to be a weird prospect to have because he's pretty much the second baseman now. They, they've pretty, they've kind of moved him completely away from third base. So he's pretty much just second baseman. He is going to be a guy that strikes out above average, but he does have kind of like third baseman raw and game power, even at second base. Yeah. So valuing him is going to be very odd. And then you add in the organization where St. Louis obviously isn't super known for promoting guys very fast. Um, I think he's making his case and with uh, Paul DeYoung not really working out. Uh, I like Edmundo Sosa, but like he's, he's not really going to hit much better, slightly better than DeYoung, but like he's not tearing the cover off the ball. He's really there more defensively. Um, right. I think you can start to move guys around to cover a shortstop, which creates a hole um, at second, right? Uh, again, he's another guy that, yes, he will be playing in the major leagues this year. Just in the long term, how to value him, I could see him being a guy that's like, I don't want to say this guy's name. I hate comps. I hate comps. Mm. So I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to try to comp him. He could be a guy that, I wouldn't be surprised if in a, in a couple of years he's putting up like a 240 batting average, but like also putting up maybe a 340 OBP, but just smoking yeah. like 30 home 30 runs. Home yeah. runs. <laughs> and yep. like at second base. And like if you can make that work for you and your dynasty team, boom, you got your guy. If that yeah, if you're in if you're in an on-base league, yeah. he he's touted a pretty good eye at the plate. Uh Last year in Double A, nine percent walk rate. So he's he can take walks. It's going to be interesting to see once he gets to uh-huh. the majors and has to adjust to major league pitching if that remains a part of his uh-huh. game because it's never been like a calling card. Right, per it's se. not the carrying skill. And and again, this is guys where the variance is there because then you could also tell me mm-hmm. that Nolan Gorman in twenty twenty four is hitting two twenty with you know twenty yeah like twenty twenty five homers. <laughs> But like a yeah. three ten OBP, and I'd be like, I would not surprise. I'd be me. like, yeah, I could see that too. Um, yeah, and he's he's not a strong defender. He's decent. He's okay, mm-hmm. from what I understand. Moving to second base due to the Nolan Arenado effect. You got two Nolans on a yeah. team. That's fun. Yeah. Um, you also got Jordan Walker coming up uh, very quickly mm-hmm. on on his heels as well. Yep. So as we're looking at 2022 in particular, Tommy Edmond has played nothing but second base in 19 games so far after being a guy that moved around a lot last year, nothing but second so far. I don't know if Edmond can play shortstop. I, I haven't watched a lot of Tommy Edmond or the Cardinals. Um, I don't know who else would, but we know Edmond can play in the outfield. Here's the thing. They've got a pretty busy outfield with Tyler O'Neill is, isn't going anywhere. Harrison Bader is a good defender, so that's going to keep him in the yeah. lineup. They still got to wait out Dylan Carlson because you're not going to put the other two break in the no. yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah. I think we do see Nolan Gorman in 2022. I don't think we see him as a starter in yeah. consistent. He's at-bats. definitely not going to give you consistent at bat. So if you're in a redraft, uh, I don't get too hype about Nolan Gorman. He's not going to be that, that rookie for you. If you, okay. if you're in a dynasty, again, the value is going to be very weird. Um, maybe he grabs some DH, uh, you know, especially as the season wears on, maybe the whole like Albert Pujols back home project 
kind of mm. goes to rest. And then you you have some DH at-bats that are opening up for Gorman. Um, you also sure. still have Juan Yepes, who finally started to turn it around after a very slow start to the year. And that was his whole calling card is like, oh, finally the NL has a DH. Boom, you have this guy Juan Yepes. That's his spot. So it's just the, the Cardinals organization is just it's very hard to gauge. If you have Gorman, I wouldn't I wouldn't say no to trying to shop him and just seeing what's out there and what you might be able to get back and make him somebody else's problem. Agreed. I'm I 100% agree with that. A guy that I think should be here pretty soon and will probably get some consistent playing time. You would know better than I would. <laughs> Adley Rushman. Yeah. Um so I think he I think somebody asked this question or, or a version of this question and I said I could see him being up by Memorial Day, like right around like end mm-hmm. of May, um, early yeah. June. He came back from the elbow. He's making some starts at low A, um, obviously just to kind of get uh, game speed back. And then I can definitely see them putting him in Norfolk, which is AAA affiliate, to actually get, you know, solid uh, at-bats at going before making the promotion. I think as long as the elbow holds up, I don't see a reason why they don't move him. Um, and I think the the other part of this uh, question from what I'm seeing is uh, like, uh, so we're saying like, where's the cut line? Do you drop uh K-Bird Ruiz for a shot on Adley's upside? I would consider it. Um, catchers are, are weird. I mean, catchers are so after, weird. after the first five or six, I mean, they, they, none of them are particularly good. Like you're all like everybody else is pretty much one skill. Right, like you, you got a guy because he w- walks a lot and does nothing else. So if you're in an OBP league, that's why you have him. Or you have a guy that might run into a couple of home runs and give you, you know, fourteen to seventeen home runs out of the catcher spot. But he's going to hit like two hundred, like barely two hundred yep. or something. You know, so it's it's just if you don't have those top five or six guys anyway, sure, why not? Right? Uh, again, now redraft it gets interesting. Right. If you're in a redraft league and, and it's one catcher league and you don't have one of those top guys, do you make that move? It's it's aggressive for my taste, but I've also said I'm very risk averse. So I think if you're going to try to make a big, a big, bold move and Adley's available in a redraft. That's a big, bold move, and I think you can consider yeah. it. Um, it's, yeah. I wouldn't be opposed to it if you if you didn't spend a pick to get a good catcher Um, and you just like grabbed whoever at the bottom. I think Hubert Ruiz is a pretty comparable name. Um, If you like Hubert or if he starts going off, obviously, but like what's going on direct comparison. We're not, we're not doing what's going off for Hubert Ruiz though. Like what's going off? You know, good point. Like, you know, he hit like hitting, one home hitting run. 280 with, with no, no yeah, power. You know, yeah. so like, yeah, I'm taking Adley if that's what you're telling me is, is, is behind door number one and Adley's behind door number two. Like, I'll take that's Adley. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. It's, it, it could be interesting. And I think it's w- definitely because catcher is so volatile and finding anything productive is hard. I'm probably taking him if I don't have a top six yeah. catcher. Yeah. Just because if if he isn't great, okay, right. he's probably better than a lot of the right. alternatives. 
if he is awesome, congrats. Yep. You just got yourself a Bingo. great catcher. For and if you're in a redraft and you don't have one of those top five, top six catchers, unless you're in a super deep redraft league, which I don't know why you would be in one, right? If you're in like a 60, 16 team redraft league, I don't know why you do that, but I guess you could. But if I'm in like a 10 to even a 14 team redraft and I don't have one of those top five or six guys, and Adley comes up in the first month or so, he plays like a regular rookie, I can drop him and still get somebody comparable to who I had before. Like The the pool is all pretty much the same, so I'm not missing anything. Exactly. Um, Say you're in a 12-team redraft league. Do you stash Adley if you have four bench spots and you don't have a good catcher right now? Have four bench spots and you don't have a good catcher right now. Would I stash him again? I, sure, why not? Like take, like run the risk. Fourteen team for sure. Yeah, may as well. All right, last guy I want to talk about before we sign off here. Another question from a supporter here. Samson wants to know what do you make of Pepio's start? Ryan Pepio is a pitcher for the Los Angeles Dodgers. Uh, it seems like a big step forward after a shaky experience AAA last year. Well, he says. Coming soon, question mark. So in five starts at AAA this year for 24-year-old Ryan Pepio, 21 and two-thirds innings, 29 strikeouts, 166 ERA, 106 whip. What are your thoughts? Yeah, uh, so before we started re- recording, I was saying Pepio was actually one of the sort of um, the one guy in the collection of Dodgers pitching prospects that I haven't really been keeping a lot of tabs on, and I don't know why. But like Bobby Miller, Clayton Beater, um, Gavin Stone, Landon Knack, those are all guys that I, I've been paying some sort of attention to. And Pepe was just kind of fell by the wayside. I, I don't know. I, I can't explain. It's a, it's it's hard. It's a lot of major. It's a lot of minor league <laughs> players. Okay. Um. But just uh. So I haven't been able to see his starts. I haven't gone back to watch his starts. But as far as the um change, the in improvement that we've seen this year from last year in triple a i'm going to lean on yet another person's uh advice and knowledge and that's nate handy um who on one of my episodes on the farm made such a great point about so many guys are still learning to pitch and i'm I'm paraphrasing what he said but so many guys are still learning how to pitch and the way nate put it again paraphrasing is some of these guys haven't even learned the pitch that's going to make them millions of dollars yet like they still haven't even gotten that good yet. And, and so what I see in Pepio is this is a guy that this is what development looks like. Like he, he was in AAA last year. He wasn't good. He learned from it this year, much better. That's what development looks like. Like some guys have to sort of repeat the grade before they get it. And that's okay. Especially with, well, really on either side of the ball. That's perfectly fine. We, I think a lot of times in Dynasty and with prospects, we're so hard-pressed for like a guy to be like 22, 23. He flew through all the levels. Now he's making his major league debut. It's like, it doesn't really work that way. And again, to your point, Austin, like you were saying before, the guys that do, they're special for a reason. <laughs> like, yeah. that's not standard. It's okay for yeah. a guy to be 25, and now he's making his major league de- uh, debut. When you add in the pandemic season, there's a lot of pitchers especially that I'm having conversations with people and they say, oh, but he's 24 and he's pitching high A. I'm like, yeah, but he was 21 when he got drafted and he missed a complete yep. season. So, of course, he's going to end up in high A and he's killing it as he should be. So, let's wait. Let's see him get to that next level and then we can start to kind of grade him on a regular 
basis. But like we can't the whole the whole age to level thing. Um, I've had some really good conversations, uh, kind of off mic and offline about age to level. It, it, it's helpful, but it's not gospel, right? It's not a hard fact, a hard fast truth. So it's okay, especially with the craziness. With of the, the craziness of the pandemic, it's okay for a guy to be a bit older. What I like to do is I like to look at Baseball Reference and say, okay, cool. If he, if I feel like he is old for the level, how is he performing against older players or against younger players? Is he dominating just one side or the other? If he is 24 and in high A and he's dominating the younger guys, but the older guys are crushing him, now you may have a point, right? Now you may be on to something. But if I look at a guy and he's dominating everybody, right, if we stay with, with PPO, if I look at – um his numbers and, and I haven't taken a chance. I probably will once I'm done here, but if I look at him on baseball reference and he's dominating no matter who it is, um, that's great. That's what I want to see. So I don't really care about age to level in that case. So uh, what I'll say to Samson is like, is he coming soon? Dodgers are weird. Dodgers are yet another weird, weird. <laughs> another weird uh, uh, team. I don't know that he will make his major league debut this year. But absolutely, I could see him competing possibly for like a weird low leverage bullpen spot to then translate that into a rotation spot in 2023. Like the yeah. Dodgers are weird. And we know they spend money. Like now to Austin's point that he was making about Max Meyer, this is a guy that I could see in the trade, right? This is the type of guy yes. that I could see the Dodgers saying, hey, you know how we, we swung uh, getting Trey Turner for like, not the best players. We got Trey Turner and Max Scherzer. Remember that? We're doing it again. <laughs> and, and and he's part of that package that goes to, you know, Cincinnati or goes to, you know, whomever to get their best player or their two best players to come over and yeah. just restock. Like, that's the type of guy. So even if you have him, he's still of value because in that trade, he's a Brandon Williamson, right? He's a guy that goes from kind of middle level to now he's the best pitcher in the Cincinnati, yep. like, because because Lodolo and Green are already up. So now, Williamson slots in as their best pitching prospect. Cool. There's still value there. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that's a great call. And your discussion of uh, looking at older guys and how they're competing against guys their age versus younger ones, that's really insightful and something that I had never personally considered or looked at. Uh, great advice there on how to value pitching or really any uh, pitching or hitting yeah, prospects yeah. across the board. That's really good advice. Yeah. Shout out to Nate Handy, man. That, that, if you, if you aren't following Nate or, or talking to him in the discord, that guy knows his stuff when it comes to pitching. Oh, he's my go-to. He's my go-to yeah. prospect yeah, guy. Yeah. He's, he's yeah. good. Shout out to Nate. All righty, man. We went long. That's okay. That happens. I'm sorry, y'all, that y'all have to. I'm sorry that you have to edit this. I'm sorry to y'all that you have to listen to this. I apologize. Don't be great. You're welcome, y'all, that you got to listen to all this content. You're welcome. No, this is awesome. Thanks awesome, for having man. me. Thanks for having me. Lamar, it was an absolute pleasure. Uh, anything you want to plug before we get going? Everyone go subscribe to yeah. the On the Farm yeah. On the Farm podcast, I actually have to record my own uh, episode uh, for, for this upcoming week. So I got to keep my pod essence going. Um, but stuff to plug, again, um, minor league uh, player and um, pitcher of the week, which comes out, I always get the days confused. Uh, minor league player and pitcher of the week is Tuesday, every Tuesday. 
um, farm system power rankings are every Wednesday. If I had that flip flop, I apologize. I should know. Um, on the farm <laughs> is every Monday should be up by 12. I know I've had some weirdness where sometimes it was later and sometimes it was earlier, but it should be by 12 p.m. Eastern time on the farm. Uh, you can subscribe to the newsletter. I took a month off because there was a lot going on in April, but I should be back in May. And that is inside uh, Fastball Newsletter. You can find me on Twitter at Inside Fastball, capital I, capital F. That's all the plugs. This man does not. <laughs> you keep yourself busy. Yeah. You put on a good podcast. Oh, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you. Thank you so much, thank Lamar. You, thank you. For all of you who stuck with us all the way to the end, thank you. We do it for you. And this has been On The List. Thank you.